Hi, I'm April. And I'm Steph. Um, you're listening to The Thirst. This is our podcast about pop culture. In it, we talk about films. Uh, TV. Music. Um, some other things. Books occasionally. Boys. Boy, it's mostly boys. Lots um, of boys. Lots boy of heavy. boys. Um, boy, boy heavy. Boy heavy. Boy heavy podcast. Um, this is episode 12. Do you have a pun? Dirty dozen. <laughs> thirsty dozen. Thirsty dozen. I had the to, thirsty dozen. I had to Google 12 earlier to find 12 related 12 puns. 12 puns. Um, 12 angry men because they're all on the shit list. 12 thirsty men. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, that works. Oh, 12 monkeys. Great film. 12 cheeky monkeys. 12 cheeky monkeys. Um, 12 years of slave was another one, but that feels oh, a bit... Oh, yeah, that's... You can't really 12 days it. of Christmas? 12 days of Christmas. Oh, what are we, a... like... What day are we on? I don't know what. It's, it's like the 17th. 17... It's days after Christmas, though, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So anyway, I was thinking of um, the Christmas song with a partridge in a pear tree. Uh, yeah, that doesn't go up to seventeen. Seventeen though. girls are podding. <laughs> sure. We're um, to cut that bit out. You can tell it's very festive. Yeah. Um, so you can find us online. We're Twitter at the Thirst, SoundCloud.com forward slash the Thirst Pod, iTunes. You can search for the Thirst. Instagram. We're at the Thirst Pod. If you want to email us, you can do. It's the Thirst Pod at gmail.com and our Tumblr is the Thirstpod.tumblr.com, and it's very active. Yes, so super super active. It's being updated. All the latest news is on there. Um, with our shared links. Do you check the emails? I do, yeah. Thank no God one ever emails that. us. Oh. That's sad. Can someone email us, please? The only emails we get are from SoundCloud telling us that we've paid our subscription <laughs> and iTunes and Apple. Oh. So if anyone wants to send us an email, that would be please nice. Please send us some fan mail. Send us some fan mail, just some feedback. If you want to leave some reviews too on iTunes, that would be great. It helps people find our podcast, apparently. I would like to be in the iTunes charts again. Yeah, it's that taken me 12 fun. episodes to realise that reviews serve a purpose other than boosting my ego. We need to get on that then. So if anyone wants... New Year's resolution for 2018. I'm going to review the shit out of people so they review us back. Yeah, PC for PC. Yeah. Um, that would be nice. Cool, so we'll go on to news straight away. Um, firstly, we've got the Golden Globe nominations. Yes. Um, they were announced on December the 11th. Um, as ever, they're a mixed bag. The Golden Globes are put together by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Oh, yes, yes, them. It's international press, apparently. Close and they're, friends. They're always... Uh, they're billed as being a bit of a precursor to the Oscars, and the wins are often used to predict... I was going to say, does this indicate where people think it's going to go with the Oscars? Well, it, they, everyone says that every year, but then there are also, like, loads of glaring emissions, and the, the Golden Globes also award, like, awards to things that don't necessarily warrant them. But, I mean, I've got a few things that I would like to talk about in particular. Yeah. Um, I think there's... I mean, I was fairly into most of it yeah i mean the big thing for um me that i took immediately and this is what has made headlines as well there was um so with the golden globes they have weird categories they have the best drama but then they have best musical or comedy and like a lot of the time things end up in that particular category that don't necessarily like get out being in best comedy yeah well this is what i'd written down was the fact that get out is nominated in best musical or comedy i guess it's funny yeah i mean it's sort of funny in a Ha-ha-ish I can't tell if that's way. just because Jordan Peele. Um, it's definitely not a musical. <laughs> it's definitely not a musical. Um, I can't tell if it's just because D- Jordan Peele is a comedian and he directed it. So maybe they were like, oh, it must be a, f- a comedy then. Is there a best horror category? No. So why are they so niche about musicals? It is and weird. Yet, isn't come it? on, guys. I think it's really dated. Can we not give horror the like the credit it needs? Maybe it was a time when musicals were like dime a the dozen. Thing. The thing. 
like singing in the rain era yeah maybe i don't know how old the i don't even know if there are enough musicals every year really Uh, there never are no so that was a weird one also jordan peele wasn't nominated for best screenplay or best director which is a bit of a snub also interestingly i've written quite an essay about this um is that greta gerwig wasn't um nominated for best director either um her for her film lady bird um yeah that's had like yeah that's had massively good reviews well it's got a hundred percent rating on rotten tomatoes unheard of which is unheard of i mean like I mean and all of the best director category this year is all men of course which um, like how surprised not surprising but I've written down some films that came out this year which people could have been nominated for so Patty Jenkins for Wonder Woman yeah I mean like one Come of the, on. the biggest grossing films Ops. of the year yeah um, Catherine Bigelow for Detroit. She's been yeah. an awards star. That was anyway. an amazing film. Yes, yeah, I mean Sophia Coppola for The Guile. So beguiled. Um, Battle of the Sexes, which is the film, uh, the tennis film. Oh yeah. Um, that, that was directed by Duo, but Valerie Farris um, is a woman. Um, Lynn Ramsey for You Were Never Really Here, and that was something that made quite a um, uh, what's the word? An impression. An impression, no. that's the word, yeah. At, I um, completely guessed that. It so can really this pleased. year. So that it's kind of strange that it's all men. I mean, not really, but... I, I mean, mean, we're supposed to be so woke in 2017, <laughs> well, though. Well, I mean, I just think that in given that the year that we've had, that at least yeah. there would be, like, one that you'd kind of go, like, oh, that's just been stuck in there for, yeah, you know, just for the sake of it. But it just felt a bit strange. That's crazy. Yeah, that is a bummer. Um, some other things I thought were interesting as well, that in the Best Actor category, um, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, but no army. But no army. But army got best... He's in Best Supporting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which is fine. Yeah, that's fair. Which, I'd, I'd rather Timothy had the... No, my outrage initially had been like, I can't believe our army's not nominated. But then I looked, looked further it, down. Looked down the list and was like, like oh, no, there it's he fine. Is. He's getting his dues. Um, he's quite young as well, so that would be pretty cool. If yeah, how old is Timothy Chalamet? Is I like, feel like he's like 12. No. <laughs> I uh, think he's 23, like, oh, really? 22. Oh, God, I thought it was like 21. He, he's young. He's young. He's Good a youngster. Him, I hope he gets an Oscar nomination. Um, Call Me By Your Name had a few looks in though so that's quite cool yeah best uh, drama i think we didn't get yeah. any um director or screenplay interesting which i thought was interesting but um, lots for the shape of water which i felt like we're never going to see at this point but is, is it it's due out in february now is it february yeah that really well ladybirds out in february and crazy that insane i'm like that of all everyone the... else has already seen it <sighs> it's so annoying it's i hate really, that really this annoying. is the one bit i mean for, for anyone that's listening outside the uk one of my biggest things that pisses me off the most regarding um just any pop culture that's from the US is that release dates are always really skewed. So you get it's things crazy. like La La Land came out here this year, and so did Moonlight, but it came out um, in the, the US previous, the previous year. year. So like, so it's in our yeah, they could be in our could be in our twenty seventeen lists, but, but not in yeah. So it's really really strange. Um, I thought that um one of the big well one of the big headlines on the TV front for nominations is that Twin Peaks yeah. has been. Um, snubbed the only thing no Twin Peaks the only record no well, well Kyle MacLachlan was oh, yes, best actor yeah. in a limited series but there's absolutely nothing else no which is I'm surprised about yeah I mean given the performances I would have thought like the, the, the sort of how many people were in that it cast deserved it it's very very Definitely very strange deserved it. Um, um, a personal thing for me as well is that there's nothing for Jake Gyllenhaal oh mate probably you're just means... going to have to make your own awards the Golden Jake <laughs> Awards yeah but it just means that he's never going to get an Oscar so that's fine well, maybe that's like a level of fame he doesn't need, you know. I think he's getting really annoyed about it, though. <laughs> you can tell. You can just just, tell. just always missing the always so, yeah. the bridesmaid. Always the oh, he truly he is. He really is. Only always the bridesmaid. On in a similar note, yeah. I will jo- jo- uh, jump straight away to the uh, Grammys. The Grammys. 
yeah the nominations this year um i don't know do you care about the grammys um not massively i mean i don't really care about awards generally apart from what people are wearing yeah i mean in a lot of ways that's true they I never think... seem to get it right so no the grammys... it's never based on just my opinion so, <laughs> it's never um, sort of what i'm listening to I again mean... the grammys um i thought there was some really strong contenders that were yeah sort of rightfully acknowledged well i thought i mean i've written down that the album of the year is largely meant really color. yeah yeah so that was ja- really good yeah so it's jay-z childish gambino um Kendrick lamar bruno mars and then lord lord just yeah Not a man of color out there for the women fine for the women um i thought it's an interesting which is a very good category of, i mean that just shows it's how strong. strong yeah yeah for sure um taylor swift has only been nominated for the 50 shades of gray song in a category which is that is, with zane that one yeah which is this, the category for this i thought the title of it was hilarious it's Best song written for visual media. Is that just films? Yeah, or TV or anything else. But, uh, best um, soundtrack. Yeah, she's going up against La La Land though, so she probably won't win. She probably won't win. Although I do quite like that Zayn and Taylor Swift song. It's catchy. Yeah. It's probably better than a lot Fairly. of songs on Reputation. Yes. Which yeah. is not eligible for this year. So. No. Oh, so next year she'll sweep it. Yeah. Um, um, SC- I can't pronounce it. SCA. What is Scissor. it? Scissor. Is it actually Scissor? Yeah, you know, like Rizza. Yeah, it's actually Scissor. It's Scissor. Scissor. Um, great. New artist. That's cool. Yeah, it was cool. Um, I thought it was quite funny that Ed Sheeran's apparently really angry because he didn't get as many nominations for whatever that album was. The other day, Wes and I were laughing at that tweet that someone put up that um, Ed Sheeran looks like someone's imaginary friend. <laughs> oh, God. I just and I was like, like that's him. so true. How do you feel about Ed Sheeran? No, he's a shithead. I just don't understand him. No. Also, he's local, so... Oh, I don't like local boys. <laughs> I don't like locals. He's just... I'm a... famous for it. I he's don't just know a posh kid from down the road. Yeah, and he's just funny looking, and he does look like a child's drawing. He does and look like a child's drawing. I'm just not really fussed about his voice or anything he's ever done. I think the most interesting thing about Ed Sheeran is that apparently women find him really attractive. Li- no, I don't know anyone who finds him and attractive. And I don't get it. bollocks. It's weird, isn't it? Um, pure lies. Pure lies. Uh, Harry was cruelly snubbed. snubbed. Come on. One Direction. If this had been my awards, we would have been, he would have been in the best rock He would have just been handed them. He wouldn't have even been nominated. He wouldn't yeah. have been given them. Um, I didn't realise, though, that One Direction in seven years didn't get any nominations either. So, what, for the Grammys? Yeah. That almost doesn't surprise Grammys me. Grammys don't like it's 1D. It's just snobby, isn't it? Well, it is snobbishness. Considering his record, I mean, I know we're like biased, but it is one of the Are best... we, though? Are we biased? The... <laughs> Are we? It's one of the best pop records from this year. Definitely is. So... Um, the rock category. Oh, I've written I just down. put V boring. Okay, so this is an interesting thing that I've written down. Is that I've got... So for rock album, the nominees are Mastodon, Metallica, Nothing More. Who, Who are they? they? Um, Queens of the Stone Age and the War on Drugs, right? And Fine. then in the best alternative album, what is it, the difference? Is Go on. Arcade Fire, Gorillas. Right. Did they release? Did an they album do anything? Who knew? LCD Sound System, also Father John Misty, something. The National, right? So my issue here is, what is the differentiation between, between rock alternative and rock? alternative? Because for me, Mastodon, etc., is is rock. Yeah, but it's just like, what's alternative then? I don't know. Those are all rock bands. They're all rock bands. Apart from alternative in my head. Alternative just means like Grebo music, right? Yeah, basically. When I was in it's high... basically the same thing. When I was in high school, I listened to alternative music. Yeah, alternative is not actually a thing. I mean, really. I think actually from the rock album. Isn't alternative usually like a precursor to an actual genre? So like alternative rock? Yeah. Alternative. It's alter- rather than and something also, in and of itself. The category is alternative music. So it's not even. 
Right, it's just is like it a, like this is stuff we didn't know what to put in? It is, but actually could have gone into the rock combination of gorillas, time. LCD. If I was just get rid of that band, that I don't know who they were. No more. No, nothing. More. Nothing more. Who are nothing more? But why are the war and drugs in the rock album? I mean, I really like. They're, surely, it, going by the other list, they should be in the alternative. I really with, like, like the national and yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that record. But it's an alternative music. It's all a fix. It's so two people can win. That they want to I mean, win. I also thought it was quite funny. Not I didn't funny. know Mastodon had a new album. I literally haven't listened to any of these bands well, just, forever. What the thing I took away from the Grammys is that there's a lot of music that I have no awareness of. I've a thing I have taken away actually from the Grammys and also starting to think about my best of this year list is that I just haven't listened to any like rock music really. Yeah, Mine well, I don't about, know like, what considered. Bands. I mean, the best alternative music is pretty much stuff I probably would listen to apart from Gorillaz because you know it's not whatever year it is that's, that that song came out um oh you know the one that one no you know the, the gorillas song i got sunshine oh In that's another bag. one yeah okay fine. that's the one i'm thinking <laughs> yeah okay cool what's the what were you thinking of uh, that's a gorilla song i'll play it to you later are we I not can't... talking about gorillas yeah oh i can't put it on the podcast because it's copyrighted oh shit sing it Oh, I can't remember. We'll just... Well, this is going to be an off We'll hum it later. We'll hum it. Um, but it's just weird, isn't it? Yeah, it is really weird. Do we... I just... Apart from outfits, I don't know if I... They never get it right. No, I don't know if... I just don't know if I care Awards. about the Grammys. What a load of shit. It just made me realise that I don't think the Grammys are even something that's particularly on my radar, so... No. I mean, I was pleased that the National got nominated, but then, like, that's just fine. On the... How, is that like the biggest music award there is? The Grammys? I think it's the mo- meant to be, it's the most... Bigger or smaller than the Teen Choice Awards? <laughs> the Teen Choice or the Brit Awards? That one, Brit Awards, yeah. What music awards are there? Uh, That's weird those to think two. about, isn't it? MTV, oh, MTV Musical MTV. Video... No, the VMAs. That's Video Music Award, though. That's yeah, videos. that's basically the same. Do they do an MTV... <laughs> music Where? Awards. Do they? I think it's just MMAs. MMAs. <laughs> they do the. They do now. Smash hits. They do movies. Smash hits. BBC thing. I don't know. BBC introducing live awards. <laughs> You're just making these up. Kerrang awards. Kerrang. The Kerrang awards. Q awards. Enemy yeah. awards. We should be talking about the Kerrang awards. That's okay. the one that. We'll find out when that is. Okay. And we'll write about that. Yeah, we'll we write about that but next the thing time. Is, we won't know who anyone in that is. No, I literally no idea. My favourite thing is when I see a copy of Kerrang, I will look at it and then you look I'll at the cover and go, "Who, I'll go, who, the, who is that? Who? Who are you?" I used to buy Kerrang every week as well, and it's just I had a subscription. Yeah, me too. But I don't know who anyone is it anymore. No, so. it's just it's weird. I didn't okay. realise we. So what we're taking quickly. from this is that music awards are largely pointless. Yes. And even the outfits aren't that interesting. No one gets through that. I don't know. Not I don't... in the same way. There were some quite good ones for the VMAs. Oh, what's the European EMAs? Oh, European EMAs. Music Awards. Which one was it that we talked about on the pod last time where we were like, I didn't know who half these people were. Possibly the... the EMAs? Yeah, on the red carpet. Yeah. I didn't. I remember going through it being like, I don't know who you are. No idea. No idea. No idea. Like cool. sort of TV celebrities that I don't know about. Just reality. So in conclusion, the Grammys are pointless. <sighs> we're, putting, we're putting awards on the shit list. Awards are on the shit list. Yeah. Um, so talking of the shit list, Go on. Um, there are many things to talk about. I would like to talk about the Peter Jackson. Um, did you see about this this yes, week? Yes, I did. So um, Peter Jackson, the director of Lord of the Rings, etc., um, this week stated that um, he'd blacklisted um, Mira Sorvino and Ashley Judd um, as per Harvey Weinstein and Miramax's suggestion. Yeah, um, They were in the running for a part in Lord of the Rings. I don't know which one, but he was told on the phone by... 
Weinstein and Miramax. Was it like, like they were terrible to work? They were terrible with to something. work with. Yeah, they were just really horrible people who um this should be avoided. It says I've got a quote here. It says I recall Miramax telling us they were a nightmare to work with and we should avoid them at all costs. Um, as a direct result, he said both women fell out of the running for parts in his Lord of the Rings series. At the time, we had no reason to question what these guys were telling us, but in hindsight, I realised that this was very likely the Miramax smear campaign in full swing. I now suspect we were fed false information about both of these talented women. Um, so in follow-up to this, um, Mira Sorvino tweeted at the end of last week, I burst out crying. There it is. Confirmation that Harvey Weinstein derailed my career. Something I suspected, but was unsure of. Thank you, Peter Jackson, for being honest. I'm just heart sick. And Ashley Judd then said, I remember this well. So, I mean, you know, without going into it too, in too much details, this is just another another cog in the... Yeah. The, the Weinstein wheel. The Weinstein wheel. It's just shit. And so, I, I mean, do you feel... I don't know. What do you feel about Peter Jackson saying this? Well, my, the thing I've written here is, is this a good thing? I just think it's a bit like... I'm such a pessimist now that I just assume any guy who comes... And this is unfair of me, but I just assume anyone who comes out is just trying to do damage limitation well this is and it's like well this is going to come out anyway so if i try and own up to it which yeah. is not fair but well, no it's not but that's exactly how i read it it's how For i me, feel it just felt a little bit like oh why are you saying this now someone about to Some, yeah, yeah break this did a, like a journalist or something get in touch with you to just to ask questions and you suddenly realize that you need to come forward and kind of speak out first yeah. rather than waiting for i don't know it to come up in an article i just feel like it's just you know, further confirmation of like the way that the Weinstein's permeated Hollywood with their just it's amazing. gross views and So he's basically admitting that he didn't hire these two women based on some gossip. Well they didn't even get yeah, they were just like, put on the like no Didn't even give them list. a chance. It they're... was just like a oh, they're on a blacklist. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean from... So he's he's yeah, it doesn't but to me, like it just it re- real. It doesn't re- redeem him in any way, really. No, and that's what I felt. It's as embarrassing. Well, it's not. A re- it wasn't a redemption. It just for me smacks like you, you know, don't want to be caught out. Yeah, I hope those women. It was a boys' club, isn't it? It's like oh, the other boys club. say like don't go near those chicks. They're like out of bounds. So he's just accepted that. I hope they never accept a part because you know he's going to invite them for parts in the near future. Like, if that like was next me, film he does, he'll be like, oh, hey, guys, do you want to be in it? I hope they all tell him to go fuck himself. Well, if that was me, I would be like, no way. Yeah. Like, no, I'm fine. You're only doing... Because then it also comes off as like you're only doing it now because you feel bad about yeah. something you've done in the past rather than like my actual ability as an actress. Yes. Um, just as well on the Weinstein front, um, I don't know if you saw this as well this week, but um, Matt Damon... No, I haven't read anything oh, about okay, Matt Damon. Okay, cool. Well, right. Okay. So tell Matt, me. Tell you, Matt Damon, um, who has worked quite closely with Harvey Weinstein before, um, but you know, being he's pals. fallen from grace this year. Well, yeah, he? being pals with Ben Affleck as well, another person who's friends with Harvey Weinstein. Uh, Matt Damon did an, uh, an interview this week. Um, for ABC News with Peter Travers. Um, there uh, it was an interview, I don't know what he was even promoting, but anyway, it might have been Suburbicon, I guess, but it what? was an interview in which he ended up talking about um, sexual misconduct. He was asked specifically about... <laughs> I can Harvey. imagine his PR team in the background going, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't right. do it. The one uh, thing not to talk about, Matt yeah, don't talk about this. So he was, ta- he was talking about the various sexual misconduct allegations flying around Hollywood at the moment and specifically Harvey Weinstein. Lovely. Um, he, I've just got some quotes here because I think it's worth flagging of how much he was talking at his arse. So um, <laughs> I do believe there is a spectrum of behaviour and we're going to have to figure, you know, there's a difference between, you know, patting someone on the butt or rape or child molestation, right? But 
both of those behaviours... Well, that's just a stupid thing to point out because I know very well that they're different. Both of those behaviours need to be confronted and eradicated without question, but they shouldn't be conflated. I think he's just... The thing is, I think he's whittling that down to being... One of the things as well is that he's asked specifically if he knew about Harvey Weinstein's behaviour, which he says he didn't, but then he also says that Ben Affleck, his best friend, did tell him what had happened to Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow, of course, being one of the people that spoke out... In the beginning, yeah, about fuck off. They all knew about so that. they all knew about they it. They all knew about it. Um, he's he said as well that consequences should fit the crime. Cool. He specifically, um, just regarding Louis C.K., this was one of my favourite quotes. Oh, he had a, he had a specific opinion about Louis C.K. He, well, he was he? asked in the interview. He was asked about specific examples of people for some unknown reason, right? So he says this is about Louis C.K. I don't know all the details. I don't do deep dives on this, but I did see his statement, which kind of was arresting to me. Then he came out and said, I did it, I did these things. These women are telling the truth. And I just remember thinking, well, that's the sign of somebody. Well, we can work with that. I don't know Louis CK. I've never met him. I'm a fan of his, but I don't imagine he's going to do these things again. You know what I mean? No. I imagine the price that he's paid at this point is so beyond anything that he, I just think we have to kind of start delineating between what these behaviors are. No, not really. I mean, you're a man reading that statement. We know full well our reactions to that statement yeah. because we discussed them before. You can imagine our faces right now. Um, That's, I don't. God only knows why he. I. I feel like he just. Yep. Yeah. On Harvey Weinstein as well, he said, um, this, is, "This is in direct reference to the rape allegations." Um, Nobody who made movies for him knew any human being would have That's put a stop to that, no matter who he was. They would have said absolutely People no. Admitted they knew. Yep. You know what I mean. This is the this is absolute kicker. I knew I wouldn't want him married to anyone close to me, but that was the extent of what we knew, you know, and that wasn't a surprise to anybody. What? So basically, you knew. Yeah. And then he goes in but, conclusion. And then he's like, "Of course, he's a womanizer. I mean, I don't hang out with them." So it's like, I don't know who that is, you know. What's he talking about? It's I don't so like embarrassing. Matt Damon. And I then this is this is the final thing. It's like this is a general like general statement in conclusion yeah about like sexual misconduct and allegations it says if it's a colleague i don't know i guess it depends on the situation and the allegation and how believable i think it is what right so so if it's someone you close to you that's probably all right but it's about how believable he thinks it is right the best thing about this right is that i happen to be on twitter and i saw that mini driver the actress who was in... Not, so not actually a mini-driver. Not actually a mini-driver. Thank no. you for clarifying yeah. that. <laughs> the actress mini-driver who was in Goodwill Hunting with him and also they dated for mm-hmm. a while. She retweeted, um, someone had posted a link to the article, this the ABC transcript of the video in the article, and she retweeted it with, with just saying, good God, seriously. And then she followed it up and said, gosh, it's so interesting, brackets, profoundly unsurprising. Oh. How men with all these opinions about women's differentiation between sexual misconduct, assault and rape reveal themselves to be utterly tone deaf and as a result, systematically part of the problem. And so then, she doesn't seem surprised about Ben Affleck's... No, and then she did a, she um, did, an article, uh, did an interview sorry, with The Guardian uh, yesterday and said that I felt desperately like I needed to say something. I realised that men, good men, the men that I love, there is a cut-off. They simply cannot understand what the abuse is like on a daily level. I honestly yeah. think that until we got on the same page, you can't tell a woman about their abuse. A man cannot nope. do that. No one can. It's nope. so individual and so personal. It's galling when a powerful man steps up and starts dictating the terms, whether he turns to or not. 
It was he not? He's the he also did the whole like I've got a daughter. Yeah, blah, exactly. Blah, blah, blah. The whole part of the interview was they were asking him like how he navigates like having daughters and all this stuff, yeah. and it's just like, why are you still talking? Just shut up. Why is your PR team not coming in the room and like dragged you out? And I can like, imagine them absolutely losing their shit. Shut listening up. To that. So there you go. Unsurprising he's, that someone who has been friends with Harvey Weinstein is just trash bag. He's so. an abs. He's so deleted. There was the thing with Morgan, Morgan Spurlock. Yes. Who, um, directed That's, for me, that me. was just a really another classic case of like, this is gonna, the shit is gonna hit the fan. I, I mean, get there first. Th- oh, we had a conversation about this during the week, and I said the only thing I, the, the thing I took from his statement about the fact that he came forward and said, you know, like, I've been involved, I've cheated on every girlfriend and wife I've ever had. Like, I, I've been accused of rape, I've been accused <laughs> of like sexual harassment and everything. The only thing I took from that was just the fact that he knew that people were coming for for him so he decided to come out and say like i'm part of the problem so like yeah. fair enough for doing that but also that's completely like getting out in the open before someone else can come forward and well, he was going to get exposed anyway right the, yeah um, exactly the only positive i can take from this is that he's held his hands up and has said yes i did it so perhaps there's people that he has wronged don't have to come forward mm, first yeah and then have their stories interrogated yeah. so that's the only thing that i sort of thought on that front was kind of a positive was like mm. i really hope that he has saved some women the trauma of coming ha- yeah. of having to come forward first yeah because you know that's quite a big move for people yeah to to be a part of so yeah. you know well done for that's, him that's for yeah, acknowledging that, that he is absolute trash yeah you're trash you're on the list slightly different note josh hom uh is uh which just behaves like a dickhead really doesn't oh, he oh yeah he um, kicked a photographer yes he? he's kicked photographer Chelsea Lauren uh, in the face a live show in Los Angeles um, which resulted in her having to spend time in hospital um, so he's now apologised but the BBC have dropped him from uh, our favourite TV show <laughs> I know. Bedtime that, Stories do you know what right that was my first the, the, no. the, <gasps> I won't see any more Bedtime Stories well the, one of the first things I thought was like literally two podcasts ago maybe we were talking about how it was so cool that he'd done that yeah. and it's like no also I really enjoyed that um, do you know who the celebrity chef Anthony Bourdain is yes um, Anthony Bourdain who is um, currently dating Asia Argento oh okay yeah. so the, the, the Weinstein connection there um, he came forward and was like uh, Josh Homme is my friend but he has behaved like an absolute dick and yeah. like his apology is absolute shit which I thought was quite funny that's interesting and it was I think yeah and he also posted a really interesting tweet and I can't I won't find it right now because it'll take me forever but Bourdain did post something it was like the way that you react to people's behaviour basically saying that like it says a lot about a person if they're unwilling to come up and hand, held, hold their hands up and say that like their beha- their friends yeah. behave shit yeah. which I thought yeah, was really true. was that's kind true. of like a fair like, you have to you need to hold your friends accountable as well basically that's, that was what he was implying and I thought that was a really and we don't get response. a lot of that actually yeah because he basically had said like Josh is my friend but also like he's behaved like an absolute twat he like, did behave like did you watch the video I, I started to and then I was like I can't watch this because it's just the most like I watched it a couple of times to kind of make sense of what I was seeing and in my opinion does it seem disingenuous definitely goes back to kick her that isn't like yeah. I was swinging my leg around and kicking stuff and it caught her he said he, he was walks like, away from her turns around looks at her and then kicks his the foot the thing out. that I took from he that absolutely did that on purpose was just that like him saying that like oh I was caught in the moment it's such horseshit that's such a like 
like the thing is he posted that and said like I was kicking stuff around on stage like I was caught in the moment then the video came out and then he posted another thing saying I don't have any excuse or reason to justify what I did I was a total dick and I'm truly sorry it's like so you know you did that on purpose <laughs> and it's, but now there have been a few photographers like female photographers have just said I will never work with you again I was like why would you like fuck you so why would you go down in the like fucking the you know photographing pit and then and it's so creating like a situation out of nothing like why did you do that there's no need to do it you could totally just if you were getting annoyed about someone taking your picture you could probably just say to someone off stage like can you get rid of the photographers i just don't understand why i'm pretty sure that's a thing that happens you know so is it one of those things where you know in life where you're just walking around or you're doing something you just think i could do this right now and then you don't do it yeah you think like i could i don't know scream right now in the middle of a busy room but you don't do it no and the thing is is that what he was thinking like thought he'd kick her in the face right now oh no i will do it yeah the thing is he thought he'd get away with it and that's the thing but it's 2017 everyone has camera phones so in a in a venue of like thousands of people (laughs) to a photographer who's currently taking your photo someone is taking your picture and also people have camera phones there's a photo she took of him that she posted where he's literally looking straight at her (laughs) before he does it and he's like i didn't realize she was there and he's like you're literally looking, at, looking her at her but that's fine cool so that was news and on to things we're currently enjoying and what we're looking forward to uh on the music front i'll let you go straight into um a thing that you've done recently which was oh yeah yeah i've got yeah i've got two <laughs> so i've got two things on my list that are entirely different which is just sums me up that's wonderfully fine. it's like my spotify year of whatever it is listening was um was it like post teens pop or something oh yeah so we did like the um 2017 wrapped and it was like post teen pop we both got yeah and i, I got that and industrial oh so. i think i got like i don't know some it was something that basically was golden like oldies dad dad rock dad rock yeah i think that both of that sums us up pretty well industrial and post-team pop well we'll probably talk about this in more when we do our like end of year list but my spotify um wrapped playlist was like and i'm not even joking every other song was pretty much an interpol song (laughs) we haven't released an album in two years so (laughs) so your album yeah so your list of 2017 doesn't even have no exactly um cool anyway uh yes so firstly um I saw Marilyn Manson. You did. I was supposed um, to come, but I didn't because I'm old and had backache. You had back pain. I'm sorry. It's fine. Um, it was yeah. So we saw Marilyn Manson in London uh, at Wembley. It was it was pretty much what I expected. Maybe a bit better. Um, <laughs> you managed your expectations. Though. Yeah, I did manage my expectations. I mean, a because uh, um, you know I'm you you just know what Marilyn Manson is well, like. Well, it's now. 2017. He's, he's a bloated coke fiend and his latest album isn't all that although interestingly quite a few people i know were really into it hey i have been listening to it a lot more than i thought i would what the new album yeah interesting that's considering like how much well it was more i think i mean i'd been listening to it in build up to not Mm. to the show and then when i proceeded not to go i was a bit like fuck's sake um, but I do think that it's quite funny that you say that he looks like a bloated Oh yeah, he did. one of the things I know that he had at the show was a hospital bed. Uh, yeah, a gurney, a proper gurney. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it was even funnier because a couple of days before I suddenly realised that he was in a wheelchair um, because of this uh, accident he had uh, on his North American tour where the gun props behind him we uh, talked fell about on him. him. The gun props that were still at the show. Which is, I mean, which is hilarious. I mean, if you um, paid for them. Yeah, they're probably quite expensive. Yeah. So part of the staging. But um, So he had his leg in a full cast. So he came on sure. stage in like 
a properly goth wheelchair that was like some sort of Game of Thrones throne. Um, it looked in really black, weird. but it was electric, so it was electric wheelchair. <laughs> so he was just sort of spinning around for a bit, um, which is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Sure. And I think initially there were quite a few people who thought that was like part of the act, like he comes in on a throne, uh, and then realised that he wasn't going to get up at any point because he had I mean, his leg in like, the past. The thing that I thought was like fair play that credit he, to him for still going because he could have just cancelled. Yeah, like I mean, really it's, easily. It's quite. It is quite a debilitating. If you've broken you know, your, your leg, legs you in a full-on cast. There couldn't stand up without like two people to help him stand up um and at one point his wheelchair did stop working and he was like fiddling around with the pedal and i was like i'm literally gonna die if his wheelchair breaks like and it did come back to life but um so there was that he was on a gurney for a bit Mm -hmm. that was probably my highlight i thought the gurney setup was good and um he he played you know some of the older stuff on the gurney (laughs) so that was that was the, the gurney chapter of that show was that was a highlight for me um, I think the only songs that fell flat, there were. Uh, he didn't play too much off the new album. One of the songs, the song that he's in the video with Johnny Depp, okay. in, which is we we will link to this video because it's disgusting. Can I tell you something? Yeah, that is one of my favorite songs on the album. Is it? Yeah. What kill for me? It's really catchy. Um, I thought it was really flat. Live. Oh really? It was just like. It's, yeah, it's one of really the only flat. songs on the album that I keep going it was back to. Just like to. kill, kill, kill. It was just really. <laughs> it's bland. It's I was like, oh. oh. Um, I I quite like Satan. So, they Satan. The thing that I think of when of that song though is like Satan, as in like yeah. the wheat gluten yum, yum. vegan. You say tofu. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think of. Satan. Um, that was quite good, but the older stuff was great mm-hmm. um his voice is still i say his voice is great you know what i mean it's just like it's it's such a weird voice but it, it's still it's still really good mm-hmm. um it's just really rough and croaky and cracky and like but it's always been that way so yeah i was gonna say that's not like it's a that new worked thing. well um i literally have no idea who all his band members are anymore which is a shame no and we'd you know back in the day where you knew every single member of the band yeah well i mean we've talked about the the band and the various issues they've had recently it's all just like backing like session musicians now and i don't give a shit about any of them um but he played the nobodies near the end like an acoustic version of it which was really good and it like it was like raining like they made it rain and he was wearing like this massive ghetto black hood (laughs) and singing an acoustic version of the nobodies which was great i think nobodies is one Um, of my favorite it's it's so good he played quite a lot off mechanical animals which was good um, the and the the particular lowlights were the two times that Johnny Depp appeared on stage. Um, Why? And I I fucking knew that was going to happen. Well, I always joke. I feel like, and I can't. I mean, I'll have to go back and listen to what we recorded last time. But I think when we talked about it on the pod before, and specifically about Johnny Depp, I think we'd said like, "Ha, huh, wouldn't it be funny if he turns up in London?" I just had an inkling he would. Yeah, and I'm it's surprised. because I keep saying to people like they literally have no other friends but each other. So, well, the thing is though. So when I I saw Ryan Adams a couple of years oh, ago course, at yeah. Shepherd's Bush Empire, and Johnny Depp had turned up then, um, and this was pre the amber heard stuff coming to light and it was at a point where i was just like johnny depp is just such a waste of space now anyway um but it was just embarrassing watching him play guitar yeah it was really embarrassing it's like watching i don't know 
just a they, rock dad. Yeah. They definitely, definitely turned the sound down on his guitar. I, well, when we saw Ryan Adams, I'm pretty sure Johnny Depp's guitar wasn't even turned on. I think it was just more of a gesture. I think they like, just let him, like, let Johnny go out on stage yeah, and have his moment in the spotlight because he's never been a rock star and he'll never be one. Yeah, I think that's the impression that I his, got. Was his guitar, like, really low yeah. down? He kept playing it really... Did he have his hat on as well? Yeah. Oh, it was really stressful. God, it's such a cliche. Um, it just really says something when you were less cool than Marilyn Manson at this point. Doesn't it? Um, and I was, when he first came out, I twigged straight away who it was. What? And I was like, oh, fuck. And I thought everyone would go crazy. Yeah. And it was fairly muted, actually. There were a couple of kids near me who looked about 17 who were going nuts, what? which is fine. But, like, everyone else was just like, oh. Yeah. I mean, he's I, not as cool as you I think I know a couple of other people that went to the show and they were very much like, it was fine. And then he brought Johnny Depp out and you're just like... No, I think we need to stop now. Yeah, no no Johnny Depp. Mm. Uh, you know, it's all like making jokes between each other about how you're going to like, I don't know, go back and bang each other behind stage and Gross. stuff like that. So that, that I mean, I could have completely done without that. Gross. Um, but it was, it was yeah, it, it wasn't bad. It was pretty, it was, it could have been a lot worse. It's actually not the worst time I've seen Marilyn Manson. So. Well, that's something. So um, what is the other thing that isn't Marilyn Manson? Um, it's... Complete is completely different. Go on. Um, and it's I'm a late comer to this. I'm about six months late. That's to this. fine. We're old. That's fine. Um, but I've spent loads of time this month listening to, or in November, listening to the Dua Lipa I love album. Her. It's fucking amazing. Isn't she just glorious? She's great. She's 21 April. Isn't that disturbing? She's 21. I thought she was at least going to be like mid 20s. Yeah. And then I was 25. Reading, I was reading a thing about how she's like Spotify's most streamed person yeah. this year, and it was like blah blah 20. And I was like, oh my god, she's so young. She's but she, no, she's beautiful and she just really kicks ass. Her self titled album um, is just complete banger. Um, there's some really, really like the singles on there are great. Um, I'm not, I'm not so into like ballady slow tracks anyway, but no. the ones that are on there aren't bad, so it's fine. It's yeah. pretty much a complete record of greatness. It's just nice um, pop. Yeah, New Rules is like oh, New Rules is such a is good song. one of the best songs of this year. It's one of my favourites by this year. far, for sure. Um, she's just great, and so I've been listening to it a lot. It's completely, it came out like June, so this is a massive. Yeah, late. I only really started listening to. It. I think it was when um, it must have been October time when yeah. Vaughn was here. I think yeah, because Vaughn um, is a big Dua Lipa fan, so it's it's. I'm a late comer to it, but I'm really really into it, and it like really quickly became one of my favorite albums of this year. It's super catchy, um, like so really, really into it. Just really enjoyed that, and I think people should listen to it if they haven't because um, it's just it's really catchy. Yeah, it's one of those things really where fun. I think she's unless you got a great voice, you, unless you're directed to it, you might not have picked up on it. Yeah, so it definitely and she's would. so young. I just can't believe she's so young, and she's it's very talented. Written like an album that's very, I don't know, it definitely stands out from the crowd. Mm, yeah, um, and she's got like a really interesting background. I think she's from like from Kosovo or something. Yeah, she's a really interesting background, and I she just seems really cool. She's for very such a young. Yeah, girl. very very talented, and it's nice that she's part of that wave of kind of like um, female. Pop. It's been so many, especially. Well, this when year, I was putting, I was like, I was putting together my kind of like best songs of 2017 playlist on Spotify, and there were so many. Um, and I'll probably talk about it next mm. when we talk about our end of year lists um, in an upcoming ep. Um, there were a lot of kind of like female oriented. So much is like it? new stuff yeah. as well, but not not necessarily your big kind of people you would recognise. I mean, one of the things that I've been listening to kind of this week is the Charlie XCX Pop 2. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, she said that she's not, she probably doesn't think that she's going to make like a proper record ever again. 
that's which is interesting and um the boys single we really love this year um but the pop team mixtape is just kind of a nice mix of um people um one of my favorite songs was um backseat which is uh, features carly ray jepson who's my another good personal another friend. good yeah but it's just kind of interesting I think it's a personal friend personal like, friend sure. she's my close personal, close friend. Um, personal friend she's just someone whose work i love so it's kind of cool that she's working with charlie mm. um Anything else? Um, I was just going to shout out to that Song Exploder episode. Uh, oh, yeah. That was a good one. Uh, at Chris Ross and Trent Reznor. Um, it's really short. It's only like 20 minutes or something. It dissects uh, one of the songs off the latest EP, uh, The Lovers. And it's just really, really interesting. I love listening to Trent Reznor talk anyway. It was interesting to hear more from Atticus Ross. Song Exploder is a really good podcast. There's a really cool Yeah, episode. I hadn't really listened to it before. It's and there's really actually so many good, good like back episodes on The there. episode um, of Solange Knowles talking talking about cranes in the sky mm. um that from her uh, seat the table record that came out last year i mean that mm. song in particular was one of my favorites from last year mm. but that episode is definitely worth listening to because it's really interesting hearing her talk about how the songs are constructed and it's why yeah. i think the podcast itself is so interesting because i think it gives you such an insight into the sort of specific writing processes yeah. that people have and how they're all different and and also if it's like a song you really yeah. like i think it's yeah. kind of cool to f- hear how it came together they did like a there's a an episode I think with Lord with um I yeah. think it's sober mm-hmm. that she did. Um there's an old episode as well of uh, one of my favourite national songs which is kinda cool. And it's just it's like an e- interesting deconstruction yeah. of those songs that you become obsessed with. Yeah. Well actually that nine inch now song, The Lovers, is not one of my favourites from the new EP. Um and it actually gave me kind of a new appreciation of it. I've had that so with a few that the, was very cool. I've had that with a few songs they feature actually, but I think because when you understand how it was sort of assembled, mm. you kind of do get like a new respect for mm. it. It does make you wanna definitely sort of, um re listen. What else have you been listening to? Um so apart from the Charlie XCX uh mixtape um bleachers who i've talked about before um they put out i think it was a couple maybe last month or a december now i think it was um maybe the end of december they um mtv unplugged oh okay they did unplugged yeah does mtv still do unplugged i think they're bringing it back and i think bleachers is one of the i think it had a bit of a brief hiatus um but it's really really good like the the thing that's was interesting about it is so so much of bleachers on record jack antonoff's um project on record is it's so electronic and kind of programmed that when you hear it unplugged he did a tiny desk t- concert recently as well a and tiny desk concert yeah have you ever watched npr's tiny desk no concert? what is that npr the um, yeah. news outlet they do a tiny desk concert and they basically they sit have, at a tiny desk they have a um bob boylan who does the music stuff for npr they have people go into um, his desk area in the oh. NPR offices and they do like an acoustic kind of oh cool it's really, there's like so many on YouTube you should definitely check them out but Bleachers did one um, and it was the first time I'd seen them do kind of acoustic mm. stuff and um, it's why that was particularly good and it's why Unplugged's really good actually because they're kind of like low-key live versions of songs yeah. Um, and I mean, I like Jack Antonoff's work anyway, but it kind of give, gave me a new appreciation for the kind of way their songs are constructed. Um, Lord turns up for a bit. Lovely. Carly Rae's there for a bit as wow, well. Wow, they're like proper hanging out with Just hanging. Cool so people. it's really, really, really cool. Um, I really liked his record um, from this year anyway, but it's, I think I actually prefer this Unplugged just because of how... I don't know, just a bit more low key it is. Mm. Um, I've also been listening to a lot of Julian Baker. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, her most recent record, Turn Out the Lights. Um, it's just like sad girl music. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's not really, really my thing. No. I'm not very good with sad girl music, actually. Probably because it makes me quite sad. It makes you quite sad? Yeah. That's fine. I have um, to be in a very specific mood yeah, for that. Yeah, I mean, I'm 
the thing that the reason I've been listening to her so much recently is that I found out that she's supporting Belle and Sebastian when we see them in March. Oh, lovely! Um, which is really cool. Um, her, I mean, that record, Turn Out the Lights, is very, very good. Um, I've also been really enjoying the um, Cigarettes After Sex self-titled. I have not listened to. You'd that. probably be really yeah. into it. It's kind of like low, kind of fi kind of like slow dive, rock okay. kind of stuff. I'll give it a try. It's really, that sounds really nice. quite good. I um, no, I haven't listened to that. Yeah, the self-titled. It's really, really cool. So, um, movies. Um, we both saw Thor Ragnarok. Um, we did, we together. Did with Vaughn and Thomas. Um, yes. Thoughts, feelings, go. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed Thor Ragnarok. It was, it's been, it's my favourite. Oh, well, I was going to say, can I make a bold statement? Yeah. It's the best Marvel. It's, it is the best Marvel. It's my favourite Marvel. I just thought it was hilarious all the way through. As I'm someone... really charming and just really Wasn't fun. Wasn't it just, like, the most fun? As yeah. someone who, like, largely does not give a shit about mm-hmm. Marvel, apart from um, Captain America's new beard. Yeah. Um, I really... <laughs> purely aesthetic. Purely interest. aesthetic yeah. reasons. I just really enjoyed it. It was so fun. I mean, we talked in the past about Taika Waititi. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, directing it And how we were kind of anticipating how that might affect the film itself. But I just, for me as a, someone who likes Taika Waititi's work, mm-hmm. it felt like a Taika Waititi It really film. did. It really, really did. All of those kind of, like, weird The humour was very on was point. so funny, him, But it was it? very, very funny. Yeah, like, Jeff Goldblum was brilliant. It wasn't, like, cringy in the way that some blockbuster films are funny. No, not at all. And silly. One it of the things I liked as well witty. is that it kind of just gives Chris Hemsworth the opportunity to, like, be funny. He's yeah. funny. He's very funny. He, and that's, yeah. like... I mean, I I really like Thor mm-hmm. I liked those Thor films I know they're not the best but mm-hmm. I enjoyed them Thor is my favourite of the kind of the, yeah I mean it's just Marvel interesting universe, so. so I just thought it was so so funny and it was nice that Mark Ruffalo was in it he was an angel in it wasn't precious, he he was so sweet angel I just, um, it was just fun Jeff it? Goldblum was standout in it oh, he's really just funny. hilarious it's just I, I, my big takeaway when we left I mean I, we didn't stop laughing yeah it's it was, just so so much like funny like stupid funny humour yeah like Lo- I mean, I I still think that Tom Hiddleston's best role ever is Loki. Yeah, I mean Tom Hiddleston as Loki is like he's so yeah. good as Loki, and I love how him and Chris Hemsworth are together. Yeah, as Thor and Loki. they have really good chemistry. Yeah, and I'm amazed that I don't fancy Tom Hiddleston at, to- at all. Do you, as not Loki. even as Loki. No. <laughs> okay. But I don't. No, That's I know fine. this is different to you. She's like, yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> sure. Okay. I don't really like Tom Hiddleston generally, but as Loki. No, I mean I I think. The only time I was like, hello, was in uh, High Rise. Oh, okay. I was like, hello. Fine. Tom Hids. Um, Hids. The Taylor Swift stuff definitely hasn't helped him. Um, But yeah, just really good. Um, Hair spoiler when... (gasps) That was shocking. Hair spoiler, yeah. So skip by like 20 seconds. Uh, When Chris Hemsworth cuts his hair, Thor cuts his hair off. I was like, God damn, we hello. Were, we all audibly hello. gasped, didn't we? We were like, <gasps> I mean, he's beautiful with long hair, but he's just he's such a handsome man. So handsome. Just such a handsome man. So handsome. Um, should we discuss how um, I thought, uh, I don't know what Taika Waititi's character <laughs> is called, the rock man. The rock man. Um, how... I didn't make the connection initially that it was his voice and I thought the man was South African. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. I understand that. I mean... Um, Sorry, everyone. Yeah. Sorry, New Zealanders. Well, high expectations are going to be like... I'm so sorry, God. Steph just couldn't I was just like, I really like the South African character and I was like, we were who like, is that? He knows was... from New Zealand. 
And now, now I listen, I go, yeah, I can tell the difference. But I just, at the time... It was really funny when you, you brought that up and we were like, wait, what? There was just a pause. Hey, like, you know that I've he, said it wrong, that's I? what he sounded like in real life. I, I mean, like, I just... Yeah, it does make sense. I know that I kept... I spent like a like, lot of time after the film... Just YouTubing him? Just YouTubing my take away to He's <laughs> wonderful. He's just... The press tour for Thor as well, for Ragnarok. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. And I think that's why I enjoyed it so I much I have such well. a new appreciation of press tours this year. Yeah, it's been a... It's, it's been, been a, a good year uh, for press tours. Yeah, it's been a great year for press tours. Yeah. Um, also, I actually haven't watched a lot of films in the past month, mm-hmm. um, which is quite unusual for me. Um, I've spent quite a lot of time. The ones I have watched have uh, kind of been catching up on films that I've missed from the past year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them was Nocturnal Animals. So okay, I thought I'd just that. give like a brief shout out to that. Um, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. But I really, really enjoyed it. I it, was it, my, was... Um, it was my favourite film of last year. Was it? Mm-hmm. It was It was great. I thought uh, it was quite Lynchian. I it's thought really weird, it, it was going to be more... Uh, I don't know. I thought it was going to be more bizarre than it was. Mm-hmm. It got I was bad. kind of glad that it wasn't. I was like, this completely makes sense. What is everyone's problem with this? I think the thing is, it got a really bad rap when it came out, I think. I mean, it was directed by Tom Ford, who mm. um, his, his only his second film, the first being Single Man, which yeah. is just is like a flawless piece of yeah. cinema, in my opinion. Um, yeah. This is his second book adaptation as well, because this is based on a book mm-hmm. called Tony and Susan. Um, I think the thing that people found difficult about Nocturnal Animals, not, I mean, the content itself is quite intense, but is the fact that it's, it's a, it's a film about a person reading a book, really. Yeah, yeah. And I think that a lot of people struggled with that narrative structure of back and forth, and yeah. because not only does I thought they did it really well, though I didn't I think it was confusing. Having I t- totally could follow the threads a bit. No, I mean, so I saw the film November last year, and then for Christmas last year, I got the book. I was given Tony and Susan, so I read that was one of the first things I read mm. this year after, at the beginning of this year. Um, and having read it and then watching it again. I yeah. think that Tom Ford did an exceptional job of mm. adapting. That's a it. hard thing to adapt, but I, I, yeah, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed. The diff- I felt that the different timelines in it were really like you could easily differentiate. I thought it made sense. I knew exactly where we were when it. If it's if it switched kind of timelines, I knew where we it's were. Really, I mean, I think it's also like career highs for a lot of people that are in. Yes. I mean, one of my big things I thought was that, you know, I've, we've talked before about Jake Gyllenhaal not necessarily being an awards darling but like i was really surprised that he didn't get any accolades for he his great performance in this yeah. film because i think it's one of his best all of the leads are michael shannon was exceptional as well great, um amy it? adams was really yeah. icy and cold mm. and just i, I you know I, I was into her look i'd have that wardrobe right yeah so, yeah so i'm really glad that you liked mm. it because it was one of my favorites yeah i think anyone year. who it's taken me obviously it's taken me a year to catch up on it but if anyone hasn't seen it yet i'd recommend going back and watching it and i don't know whether it, it it's not that it put me off but i thought i needed to save it for when i you know i was thinking okay well you know it sounds from reviews like this is going to be quite a complicated film to th- follow mm-hmm. so i need to be in like a really specific mindset to you have watch to pay it. attention but i don't actually think it was as bad as i no. anticipated and that's um, the thing and that's what i, I get said. that it's heavy content it's quite harrowing so you need to be in the mindset for that i happen to nearly always be in the mindset for that but i thought it would be i don't know i thought it was going to be hard to follow and it wasn't 
No, it is a good film. I definitely recommend it. If anyone had any mm. misgivings about it in the first place, mm. they should definitely seek it out. Um, yes. Just because it's it's a, it's just a really smart piece of cinema and it looks, I mean, aesthetically, mm-hmm. it's just it's gorgeous. So it um, reminds, it, just because so much of it happens in the dark, it was really reminding me of like Lost Highway. And yeah, stuff. and all the car stuff when yeah. they're driving and yeah. stuff. That's what just I... very much. It actually reminded me of parts of um, in Twin, Twin Peaks The Return. Yeah. They're in the car. And very much like so. Um, and I'm always here for that. Um, what else have you you've been to the cinema far more than me in the past few yeah weeks. so um i, I went to not. see a couple of things um i went to last week i went to the cinema three times three days in a row yes you did like the exceptionally cool person i am so it's pretty cool um on monday i went to see the disaster artist yes um which is the james franco directed um movie which is based on tommy Wiseau's film the room it's mm-hmm. about what's well, a film version of the event's leading up to and the filming of the film The Room. Mm-hmm. Um, the Room is a notoriously bad film mm-hmm. um, which has received cult status. Yes. Um, it was direct, written and directed and stars um, an auteur called uh, Tommy auteur. Wiseau um, and so Disaster Disaster Artist is about that film and about Tommy and his friend Greg. Um, the Disaster Artist is like fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you haven't seen The Room, whether yeah. you'd understand I wouldn't, a lot of it. I mean, I haven't seen The Room, and I wouldn't approach it without having seen The Room. Yeah, I mean... I would definitely make sure I'd seen that first. So I was having a conversation with someone at work who um, like, who we've talked quite a lot about The Room and how we think it's like one of those films that is just hilarious, like you mm. have to see it. Um, and he said that someone he knew hadn't seen the room but went to see the disaster artist and still thought it was really really funny oh, good. so that's interesting i mean as comedies go i think that you could go into it completely and blind it and and just still find, still find it weird i mean imagine there's probably quite a lot of added benefit to knowing the original yeah, I mean, material one, although. completely i mean it gives you context and also it just kind of i mean one of my favorite this is a bit of a spoiler but one of my favorite things at the end during the credits is they do do like a side-by-side comparison of mm. like original scenes from the room and then Oh, reconstructions cool. they did yeah. for the disaster artists and actually how they'd worked really hard to get them really mm. bang on i mean james franco is, is really amazing in it um he's in it with his brother dave franco as oh, okay. well and there are also lots of other kind of cameos from mm. people whose work i i really like and just general people from comedy like jason manzuka seth rogan paul Shear um nathan fielder there's a whole kind of if you're into like american comedy there's a lot of people in it you will recognize people, and kind yeah. of be like oh my, and hannibal burress i and basically every time anyone appeared on screen i was like freaking out it was really so i i definitely recommend you see it it's one of the best comedies i've seen this year kind of reminds me of um what well, not it's not a direct comparison but like saying about like not having seen if people haven't seen the original it's like going to see like tim burton's edward how well, having yeah. any prior knowledge of Edward at all? Yeah. I don't think it would still be enjoyable, yeah. but I don't know. I, I, I think I you definitely do. would want to see the room before seeing. The yeah, I think the thing for me is that like the, I think you do have to have a little bit of context. I mean, I'd made a real point of making Tom watch the room. Mm-hmm beforehand because i i was really keen to see the disaster artist and he, he hadn't seen the mm. room before so i did say that we have to watch it i mean it's an experience in itself you do spend half the time like wondering what the fuck is going on mm. um one of the best things i saw on twitter last week was that um i think it was hannah from film roast had been watching it for the first time and she'd mm. been live tweeting her responses amazing and all of her responses were just very on the money yeah. reactions to like what the fuck you watch yeah yeah because it is just baffling like you you do spend most of it kind of going like i can't believe this got made i can't yeah. believe this person funded this like, mm. i can't believe what is happening because it's just 
it's just batshit and I suppose like the Edward comparison is very mm. true actually because Tommy Wiseau is very much like a bit of an Edward mm. kind of character yeah, yeah, like yeah. no one would make his film so he just made it himself mm-hmm. and just danced to the beat of his own drum kind mm, of thing mm, so mm. yeah I would recommend Disaster Artist I'm um, in direct comparison to that I went to see Stronger the next day <laughs> um, which is um, Jake Gyllenhaal's um, film about the um, Boston bombings mm. um, he plays Jeff Bauman um, one of the victims um, who was affected by the attacks that day and um, unfortunately lost both of his legs it doesn't and feel like that long ago so it was, I was 2013 it was quite happened on my birthday it was quite i was almost a bit surprised that they were sort of tackling it so soon yeah it's interesting i mean um so the the film itself focuses on jeff bauman's rehabilitation and his story um jake gyllenhaal does put in an amazing performance it's got really good um supporting appearances from uh, tatiana maslani who's from orphan black Mm -hmm. she was really amazing as um jeff's ex-girlfriend um who helps him through his rehabilitation um miranda richardson as well who um Mm. i know as queenie from blackadder oh my god she was in it she plays (gasps) jeff bauman's mum, and she was amazing i don't think i've seen her for ages no she she was really really fabulous as a woman um who kind of has to deal with what her um son is going through while she's kind of dealing with her own kind Mm. of demons i mean the film itself it's not um it didn't really blow me away but i was i was incredibly moved by jake's performance and just generally the story of how where's it is yeah it's it's a, you can't help but feel no be like emotionally yeah absolutely and the thing i by that story the thing i did like as well is that there was a film recently that came out with mark Wahlberg in which was about the boston bombings mm-hmm. i can't remember what it was called but mm-hmm. it, i think it came out earlier this year and that yeah. specifically focused on the attackers the the you know the, the period of the time, drama of it the all. drama surrounding like trying to locate his brother all of that stuff whereas the thing with stronger that i particularly liked is that you know at the beginning you you get some context for who Jeff is, who his um, uh, girlfriend is. You know what the um, the build up to the attacks. You see the attacks, and then after that, it's just focusing on his story. Yeah. And I really like that because you you have all of the actual like news based content. It does use sort of clips from the news, and you, you know it's well, we still know in the what background. Happens, yeah, right? and actually, I think the whole I don't need to see it dramatized. No, absolutely, and that's what's great actually is that you kind of. You, it's almost the after effect yeah. of what's happened. It doesn't glamorise anything that happened. It mm. actually talks about the impact on lives of the people that were affected. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did really like that. I mean, it's just... Um, it, I felt it's it sort of come out at a funny time here. Mm. I think it was released in the States in October, but here it seems like it's December. <laughs> December, it seems like it's... I mean, the, at our local kind of... Um, Two art, weeks before Christmas. Art House Cinema, they literally had like three days, three or four days of showing yeah. it and that's it. Yeah. Like the week before Star Wars as well. Mm. It seemed like a bit of a rookie mistake, but um, it's definitely one of those things that I recommend people watch at some point when it yeah. eventually makes it to DVD and stuff. So, Just TV. Watch the first episode of Dark. Oh, did you? Yes. I haven't watched anything yet. Um, I keep meaning to do it. Yeah, it's been... So it's been sort of... I've been waiting for it to come out, really. Um, and it came out on the 1st of December. It's a Netflix series. Um, it's Netflix's first German language series. Mm-hmm. Um, firstly, I would say before anyone tries to watch it on Netflix, who is uh, English speaking, um, it, it, my, my pro, uh, I think it, it will, it's across all um, sort of Netflix uh, apps. It automatically dubs. So I started really? watching it and I was like, what the fuck is this awful English dub? Why have they dubbed what it? What is this? 
and I googled it straight away like I paused it and googled it and there, there are like articles up saying like you know before you watch dark make sure you watch it with English subtitles not dub so I had to I learned how to change the subtitles though does on it, Netflix I wonder if it does um, it for other international stuff on Netflix yeah I have no it's idea weird. but it yeah it automatically huh. okay. it yeah that was like it's go to it tried to dub and sure. it was god awful i can't stand that Gross. so if you're gonna watch it and there was someone else i spoke to the other day who'd watched a couple of episodes and then i'd said oh i couldn't do the dub and he was like you telling me i don't have to watch it with a dub. <laughs> so sure. make sure you take the dubbing off and just subtitle it it's a lot better um it's it's, it's quite a, it's i've only watched one episode mm-hmm. i don't really know much of what is going on yet um it has had good reviews kind of revolves around this small uh, german town um, and the disappearance of two young children in it. Um, it kind of the town's set against the backdrop of this nuclear power plant, which I think will come into play. Sure. Um, it's very dark. It's very German. Um, it, you know, it, the town's set in kind of the forest. Um, it's very sort of shadowy. Um, there's a lot of different family lives that kind of intertwine. Um, I think from what I've kind of read it's going to go down the kind of split timeline route. Sure. Um, but I've already got kind of... Uh, I've got hints of, like, everything from kind of Stranger Things. So there are a couple of moments where I thought, oh, this is going to be kind of maybe a bit sci-fi. Well, it got recommended on my Netflix because I'd watched you Stranger, like Stranger Things. Things. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, oh, it's a bit Stranger Things. And I was like, no, I think it's probably a bit more like The Returned. And maybe it's going to be more just like a crime Oh, okay. So maybe mystery slash crime show. Yeah. And then near the end, there's a scene right at the end of the first episode where I was like, this really reminds me of the first season of True Detective. Well, I and was, it was kind ask, of an occulty vibe. Um, all of the pictures and stuff I'd seen from it, it immediately made me think of True Detective, actually. Yeah. So I, so I can't even tell at the moment. There's almost like a, uh, a supernatural uh, element to it. But it could also easily not be that and mm-hmm. it might not turn into that at all. Okay. I don't really know where it's going. But I really enjoyed the first episode. It is very dark. The the kind of the music, the soundtrack freaked me out quite a lot. Yeah. So I I wouldn't watch it in the dark alone. <laughs> sure. I it really stuck with me afterwards and I usually kind of don't really feel much about those sorts of things. But it was stuck in my head quite a lot. It really freaked me out. Um I'm excited to check it out. It's gonna be I think heavy I'm, going. I think but. I might try and watch it over Christmas. Yeah. Oh, well, a lovely festive treat. A lovely April. festive treat is to binge watch something horrible over Christmas. Yeah. So I definitely want to carry on watching that. I just haven't had a chance yet. Um, or maybe but we'll. I think um, I'm really going to enjoy it. Maybe we'll check in in the mm, near future. Definitely. Um, have you been watching anything else? Uh, just Broad City. Oh, Broad uh, City. season three of Broad City, which is my favourite season thus far. Who is your favourite? Very, very, very funny. Um, what's the? Oh, What's the name of the guy who works at the gym? I can't remember, but I know exactly. He's really great. I love him. I mean, I love them all. I think Alana's my favourite. Alana is, like, standout. Alana is... She makes me die. So funny. They're they're all... They're just... It's great. There's been quite a few... You can tell when they've kind of hit the big time of season three, because there's quite a few cameos Just guest appearance. Um, Like, uh, hi, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, Uh, I was going to ask if you... I mean, the the thing with um, Alana Glazer is that I... Um, watch Tom a thing that I didn't mention because it's just uh, trash I, Tom and I watched this film called The Night Before which is like a Christmas movie that's got <laughs> Seth Rogen and brilliant 
um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Anthony Mackie in and right. um, Alana Glazer turns up in it and she basically just plays Alana from Broad City in because she she's just someone she's that's wonderful. like she's just someone that's so willing to do like really outlandish things that you wouldn't necessarily expect yes. um, someone to do and that, I think that's why I love her so much because she's just so like it's, she's kind of just gross but like hilarious with it um, yeah Alana yeah really really gross um, there's a bit where Alana is singing in the toilet uh huh and sort of like auto-tuning herself. Yeah. And I thought Wesley was going to die. He was laughing so much. Wesley thinks Broadsea is like the best. It's he so absolutely funny. adores it. Which is like a good endorsement as well. Because it's a very... Tom, I, know. I, I thought it might be very... You know in the way that I always think like... I can understand if guys didn't really get on top of girls. Yeah. I feel I thought it would be the same with Broad City. Like some of it is probably quite female humour well Tom really but. took to it as well I may, I watched all of season one and two on my own um, I would always watch it like when I was doing stuff at home when Tom was at football at the mm. weekends um, and then we realised that it was on um, one of the um, video on demand things mm. we've got at home and um, I was like oh we should watch this because it's super short and I want to see if you like it and he thought it was just hilarious like he yeah. really really took to it's it brilliant. But, yeah. it, I, it wasn't something that I thought that he would like just because it is very kind of female centric mm-hmm. with its yeah. humour and because that's well, why a lot I, of the anecdotes from the stories yeah well part of why I enjoy it is I think it's like a really real reflection of it's like relatable again I mean it's ridiculous it's relatable to like the nth degree yeah but yeah it's but you, you know you can you can acknowledge that like oh I remember having like a similar conversation with someone I know mm-hmm. but it's never like well for me anyway it's never like that extreme but no um yeah, I, I I was worried that he wouldn't take to it, but he thought it was really funny. So it's it's interesting oh. it was. Um, enjoyed it too. Cool. So our main topic this week um is going to be very spoilery. Yes, very. This is a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, and we will put in like a time marker on the description. Very so wise. If anyone wants to just hit pause and never come back, that's fine. Um, you have to come back just after you've seen. After it. you've seen it. So um, one of the big things on the film front that we didn't mention because we were doing it as our main topic is that um on at midnight on <sighs> Thursday, but. Wednesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Wednesday night, Thursday morning. One minute past midnight. One minute past midnight. We went to see um, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Yes, we did. Um, Episode eight. Episode eight. So we thought we would give it some uh, airtime. Yeah, needs it needs a lot of time. Needs a lot of time to talk about it, and we um, haven't really done Star Wars chat before. So this no, we haven't. It's a great opportunity. This is our first Star Wars since starting the podcast. First Star Wars since starting the Mm. podcast. So we thought we'd just sort of have a deep dive into The Last Mm -hmm. Jedi. Mostly because we had such a a kind of visceral reaction to it. And also um, we figured if we were going to mention it, we might as well just do a big chunk. I think we've got a lot to say about it. We've got a lot to say. So um, just to begin, what was your anticipation in the build-up to The Last Jedi? Um, I think The Last Jedi had um, a lot of... I think it had a lot of anticipation behind it mm-hmm. compared to I think the uh, the Force Awakens um there was lots of anticipation because it was that first film yeah. and it was like a revisiting and there was a lot riding on kind of getting people on side with it. Well, I think if you're coming after those horrible pe- prequels, which I will say that I did not enjoy. <laughs> no, um, unwatchable. So considering it was kind of billed as this kind of like return to form right. um, at the hands of J.J. Abrams, I think there was a lot of pressure. Um, yeah. So when it arrived and it was so great. You had to nail it to get people on board. Yeah, completely. But then this film was sort of the opportunity to actually establish it kind of in its own right. I feel yeah. like the first the the force awakens was very much kind of 
you know, hits of sort of nostalgia and yeah. little winks back to the originals and uh, some returning characters. And we all we know all of that now. We've had the returning most of the returning characters. Mm-hmm. Um, we've met the new characters, and this is sort of a chance for the story to like really take off and kind of do its own thing. Yeah, so completely. I think. Oh, there was a lot of anticipation from that. I think that's. I was wondering how would that would work, or whether it would be. I really enjoyed the Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it, but you know, I didn't want it to be another film that was just kind of a repetition of that, and a repetition of like the all. Ah, oh, this person's back. Yeah, moments I mean, and... one one of the things that I found quite interesting is that um, I was looking forward to the Last Jedi a lot more than I was Rogue One, which came out mm. like this time last year. Um, with Rogue One, um, I was intrigued by it, but I'd read a lot about. I didn't how... have a lot of uh, hope for it. No, I'd read a lot about how it had been dogged by kind of um, rewrites and reshoots. Yeah. So I was kind of like intrigued by the storyline, mm. but I was also really reluctant to kind of, you know, hype it up too much in my mind. Mm. Um, we didn't really. I think maybe we saw it after the opening weekend. I just mm. remember being like really not fussed, not yeah. doing midnight, just being like, oh, we'll go and see it. Go and see it, it right? Um, I really, really enjoyed. it I was it. completely blindsided by how good that film was. Yeah, and I, think I that's, loved it. I think that was a key example of like managing my expectations. Yeah. I mean, but with regards to the Last Jedi, I was kind of I was hyped on it, but I was a little bit wary that like it wasn't going to kind of fulfill my expectations and i almost didn't want it to i was just, i don't know i was just particularly wary going into the cinema and i'd kind of tried to avoid as much of it as possible mm. i didn't actually watch the trailer in full mm. until i went to the cinema on tuesday night so the day so before that was the first time you yeah when that. i went to see stronger i saw the um the full trailer for the mm. first time on the big screen which was kind of cool mm. and also kind of annoying because i yeah. managed to avoid, avoid it. it there's a lot of pre- i mean there's so much pressure for anyone making well, a Star Wars film. I mean, you've got so many different parties to cater for. Yeah, absolutely. How do you get that right? Absolutely. And one of the things I found with The Force Awakens is that one of the big criticisms that got thrown at it was that it was just like a new hope in 2015. Yeah, it was just a rehash. So the thing with The Last Jedi is, is it going to be Empire Strikes Back? Yeah. Like people are automatically assuming, oh, well, if that was, you know, this mm-hmm. version, then this is meant to be like the equivalent of that. So, yeah. um, I mean, what did you... You know, so we we went to the sea, um, the last Jedi together. We went with a big group of us, mm. um, quite the outing. Um, what were your immediate thoughts? Um, it was really interesting coming out of the cinema and gauging such a range of reactions. It was, wasn't it? Um, I thought everyone would just come out as happy as I was. Well, when we saw the Force Awakens together on mass, yeah. like the the general consensus as we mm. left was like that was fucking brilliant. Yeah. Like there was so much like oh that was you know like a happy chat at whatever like three thirty a.m. Mm. in the morning where everyone's like half asleep and just full mm. of sugar. Um, but yeah, I mean th- that didn't seem the case for this, and I find no. it really interesting actually in the kind of nearly the week or in, you know, week after that that we've seen it, is that actually it's been really polarising. And I... That's been difficult for me, personally, because Mm -hmm. I feel that people saw a different film to me. Yeah, I do too. And I think... I don't know. I think some of the things that have annoyed people are things that I kind of like the film for. So, as I said before, I think The Force Awakens... um, I think it, 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 it... I, I loved The Force Awakens, but I think, you know, I think we all came out enjoying it because it very much set out to, like, keep the existing fans on board. Whereas this film um, didn't give as much of a fuck about whether it was keeping you no, happy. And, and that- it wanted to do some of its own, like, 
Ryan Johnson wanted to do some things with it that might not like might polarize people so and like it wasn't just to keep everyone happy with like, that was a big thing for me and what i found really interesting so i'm like you know like i'm lifelong star wars fan Star Wars the original trilogy was one of the first kind of film series i remember watching as a kid that i would just remember being like really obsessed with mm. like it, i how i really hold it in such high regard yeah but for me what i don't want from a new franchise is for them to essentially do the same thing so what part of the parts of force awakens that i like were the stuff that you know was slightly different so Mm -hmm. going into the last jedi i was really kind of intrigued to see how ryan johnson would tackle it and Mm -hmm. one of the best things i've read in the aftermath is actually him saying that like he was given like a blank slate Mm -hmm. to almost kind of organically find Mm -hmm. where the characters would go from Mm -hmm. here and i that really intrigues me Mm -hmm. and i'm not adverse to change in that respect i actually think i don't want you know the Skywalker story part two. Yeah. Like, that's just not what I want from Star Wars. I think it frustrates me in the same way because like I almost I knew I knew there would be people who are like, you know, lifelong Star Wars fans and like nailed to Lucas in a way that's like and I knew well, they would come out and be like, oh, I didn't like this bit because it doesn't fit in with the rest of the... And, oh, I just I'm, knew that I'm, was fucking going to happen. I'm all for keeping in line with canon, but I'm also really intrigued by the idea of just being like, well, we've done all of that stuff, so why don't we do something new? There's like new? subverting canon, and then there's like doing stuff that like would never realistically. Like, yeah. There are different degrees of it. Um, I mean, and, yeah. I mean, what I think is, is intriguing, actually, is the fact that Ryan Johnson is... is slated to do a new trilogy of a completely new story and that for me actually knowing that watching the last jedi is kind of interesting because you kind of think well actually yeah he's someone that could completely take on Mm. board this big piece of property and i don't think he was i mean he was quite a surprise announcement yeah i mean so ryan johnson as a director i mean if you look at his he's not done anything like no i mean he um he directed um, Brick, a film I really... Have you mm-hmm. seen Brick? Yes, I have yeah, seen Brick. Yeah, I really... Like, a film Brick, actually, I really, really enjoy. He did Looper as well. Looper was um, fine. Looper's, you know, interesting concept. Um, did the Brothers Bloom as well. He also mm-hmm. directed some episodes of Breaking Bad, but that's pretty much it. That. He hasn't really done... He's not the J.J. Abrams, is he? No, like... not at all. So, you know, he's not someone who's got this kind of, like, big, you know, weight of of his past like of course he's doing it yeah yeah i mean with jj abrams it was kind of like well the guy has just done star um star trek so yes he's someone he's that obviously knows... he's the blockbuster guy right he's, he's the guy someone who can that... take on massive yeah he can take on yeah. board something that's got like history mm-hmm. and kind of build on it um mm. so yeah he was an interesting choice i think um so it's quite a big i mean it's quite a big topic it feels like a massive topic to to tackle mm-hmm. actually this film and it's almost difficult to know where to start um but if we just start at the beginning initially um to kind of springboard the conversation and um, this film picks up straight after uh the force awakens um the the resistance are kind of uh trapped on a ship at the very beginning of the film um they're preparing to do battle with the first order but they've kind of been trapped by the first order mm-hmm. um and if the first order win at this point, then basically the entire resistance is going to be um, wiped out. Uh, at the same time, Ray is uh, has travelled to meet Luke Skywalker um, in order to get uh, guidance, I guess, and training for her Jedi abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, that first kind of scene with Oscar Isaac mm-hmm. and Donald Gleeson mm-hmm. um, sets 
definitely set a different tone for this film. Yeah, I mean, the thi- so um, one of the things I quite liked about Last Jedi is is the like the way that humor is peppered throughout. Yeah, it and was very funny. That that particular scene for me just really played up to um, kind of Poe being like almost like Han Solo yes, like level of like relief. There's a scene in The Force Awakens where he meets Kylo Ren. Yeah, and he. Um, they have like a bit of a back and forth where like mm. Poe is being complete wise ass. So the the th- fact that like Poe is you know saying that he can't hear Hux talking yeah. at him and Hux is getting like so uptight about it and frustrated. It's supposed to be his big moment, right? Yeah, and that's what I like. I li- I like yeah. that light hearted element of it because it, it definitely set a different because uh, there were there were there were really funny bits and I did I personally didn't think it was that different to the kind of. The, the tone and the comedy elements of The Force Awakens. No, and that's... But I do, I do know that some people felt that it was very like, Star Wars isn't supposed to be that funny. Like, But then I thought that about The Force Awakens. Though. Yeah. There were so many light-hearted elements in that. And actually, for me, mm. the tone didn't... It didn't feel like that much of a shift. I mean, mm. Ryan Johnson had said... Um, I listened to an interview um, with him uh, from the um, Kermode Mayo oh, yes, yes. podcast. Yes, the, the interview that, that Simon well. Mayo did with him, he, t- he talks about the fact that he wanted the film to immediately come after the force awakens yeah. because you obviously the it within the normal um so between new hope empire strikes back and return of the jedi there are mm. years it's yeah. supposed to be like a lapse of time in between mm. those but he was more interested in actually well what happens straight away yeah what happens to the resistance immediately in the mm. aftermath of the events of force awakens what happens to ray immediately mm. when she goes to find and she's still holding that light yeah yeah right? exactly it was like literally you know it almost felt to me that it was like a literal passing mm. of the baton between jj abrams mm. and ryan johnson and Tone wise, I didn't see there was that much difference. I didn't either. But so I was quite, quite a few people did, which was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I thought that 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 to me just felt very in line mm. with the Force Awakens, and it tied in with this 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 balance throughout the whole plot of the dark and the light, which is very much part of the story of this film. Absolutely, there was a thing that I read this week actually um, in uh, Mark Hermode for the Guardian. In his review, he gave it four out of five stars. Um, and I've just got a quote here. It says, um, the core theme of the ongoing Star Wars narrative has always been one of balance, an equilibrium between light and dark, life and death. Um, which I think is true. Like mm-hmm. that, that was one of my favourite things about The Last mm-hmm. Jedi is it does seem to kind of switch between being like incredibly dark in moments mm-hmm. but then incredibly light. And I think that that, for me anyway, mm-hmm. Star Wars has always been like that. Mm-hmm. It does seem to flip. If you think about, you know, in um, Return of the Jedi, the scenes with like the Ewoks and everything, mm-hmm. that's quite lighthearted in comparison mm-hmm. to actually what's happening. Yeah. Um, and I, I have always liked that switch because yeah. I think that if we think about the wider picture of actually like what the implication of what Star Wars means mm-hmm. in terms of like you know I, I think i think reading real world politics into the yes. film is tricky but actually i think that it 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 exists i think it works it's a thing and it works yeah. but i like the balance i think even if it. it's intended or not it's there yeah. it makes you think about your own exactly i think like it, where we are now i think the thing is as well in 2017 it's, it's really difficult to not do that yes i think it probably would have been it's a stark contrast to how when the um when lucas's original trilogy came out whether you know you could read you know real world politics into it but i think mm. now it's impossible not to yeah um, and i do think that balance i lo- i like that balance because i think it's 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 the type of film that could get really really dark mm-hmm. 
and that could be quite pummeling and quite intense. I think so. And I think that I like the lighthearted. So there's some of the stuff with um, when Ray goes to see Luke, some of the stuff on that particular island, you know, with the porgs, yes. with the nuns. I think that's kind of like light. I mean, relief. that very first scene when she hands him that lightsaber, he looks at it and just like... He just chucks it. Chucks it away. It's really funny. But And also, um, there is that balance of dark and light. But as we were saying about kind of Ryan Johnson subver- subverting our expectations of... Um, I don't know what the sort of Star Wars canon and what we expect. Like, it's also a film that's very much about how dark and light isn't very clear cut. And with no. new characters like Benicio del Toro's character, yeah. the the code breaker, I can't remember what his name is, yeah. but he he very much makes that point that like he's he's someone who's just in it. Nothing's clear cut. No, and no the, one's good. No one's bad. The kind of the, the kind of the politics of that, you know, actually, what everyone's just as bad as each other. That you know, he talks a lot about like people having made their money from essentially selling arms yeah. to those involved in the war. Um, that to me felt really in line with elements of Rogue One, where it's actually yes. like, well, who is the who is the bad yeah. guy here? Because we're both well, they're bad selling as each arms other. to yeah, they're selling arms to the First Order. They're selling arms to the Resistance. There are people well. dying on both sides. Who yeah. is you know, who, everyone's just as bad as um, bad as one another. I mean, and um, I guess that ties in with. I mean, it ties in very strongly with the balance between Rey and Kylo Ren. Completely. So neither are completely good. Either could kind of topple. Yeah. You don't really know which way it's going to go at some point. Um, yeah, I just I I really really liked that about it. Um, I mean, the thing that I I really enjoyed there with regards to um, you mentioned the scene with um, with Luke right at the beginning where mm. Ray does hand him his saber and he just chucks it. I think that um, there was an article on the Ringer that um, titled "Star Wars: The Last Jedi Is the Blockbuster We Deserve" by Kay Austin Collins, and one of the the pull quotes I took from that was The Last Jedi's success is not in reinventing the wheel it's re- in revitalising it mm. um, that for me just felt like a very physical gesture mm. of, um, of being like okay well that's the path, let's get rid of it, let's mm. move forward yeah. and I think that is is um, a theme that does run throughout the film um, there's a part you know where um, the Jedi texts are burnt yeah. So Luke's got these Jedi texts that he's saved, and he's kind of you know these are the original Jedi texts. Yeah. That's where all the, everything comes from. It's like sacred texts. Yeah, and they're literally burnt. It's like burning the Bible. They're, it's like essentially like burning the Bible, and they are burnt now. And Yoda destroyed. doesn't give a shit. Yoda appears, doesn't give a shit, and he talks about the fact that like they're not that good anyway, and actually like what, what's they're boring. The, what's the point in relying in the past? And yeah. that for me, that that that's just the thing I take away from mm. the Last Jedi is actually like cool. Well, the past is the past. Mm. You know, hands died. At the, at the end of this film, mm. Luke's gone. Um, we know that Leia's not going to be in episode nine in the way that she would have yeah. been because unfortunately Carrie Fisher's passed away. But actually, yeah. that's not the main focus. The main focus is Ray as Kylo, mm. is Finn, is Poe. It's actually the, this this um, conflict between the First Order and the new, new Resistance going forward. And that, for me, is actually ten times more interesting than treading over the Luke Skywalker, Leia, Han, everything that's come mm. before that's more interesting i want to see as a star wars fan mm-hmm. i would rather there was progression in a new direction yeah. than constantly going to the cinema and being like oh that's not as good as a new hope mm. or that's not as good as empire strikes back you know yeah. like we've had that kind of acknowledgement of those those key returning characters like leia and luke um and han solo but yeah we're kind of acknowledging them and moving on yeah and, and i think that's what ryan johnson wants to do as a filmmaker yeah. i mean you know so the fact that you know, Han gets his ending in The Force Awakens, Luke kind of gets an ending here. Obviously, we're yeah. not going to get necessarily the Leia sort of focus send-off in the next but one. But there will but actually, have to be a send-off of some kind. But does that 
does that matter? No, I don't think so. I don't think it does. And I just what re- I think what I've struggled with in in the immediate aftermath of people watching Last Jedi for the first time is like, why is everyone so angry about the fact that it's changing and building and moving away from mm. the original mm. trilogy? Because isn't that we the whole point? We don't need the trilogy again. Like, no. why? We don't need that again. For me, that's the point of, like, building up a franchise, mm. of, like, taking the lineage of those in early films mm. and, like, moving forward. Like, part of what really... The most interesting things I find from The Last Jedi and Gem- and The Force Awakens were actually, like, situating these new characters and actually, and like... That, uh, yeah. F- having new characters who I engage with, who I'm intrigued by and whose trajectories I mm. care about. I'm amazed that... I'm just amazed how well they've done with these new characters over the past two films because it's so easy with so many kind of sequels and things to introduce new characters that you just don't give a shit about. They're like flat, they're not interesting... You know, we've got the people that we love from the old films. Like, why do we need new people? And everyone is just, like, standout in this film. Like, the new characters that we saw from The Force Awakens, but also the new characters from this this film in itself. Like, they're, they're great, and they, like, they can stand by themselves. They don't need the backing of, like, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill. No, like, they and don't that, need those. That's what I really liked about The Force Awakens, was the fact that... You know, so you get Ray, you get Poe, you get Finn, you get mm-hmm. Kylo. Like, those four, I was amazed that I came away and was like, fuck yeah, like, I'm really interested by yes. these people now. It's great that, that Leia's there. It's great that mm-hmm. Han's there. It's great that Chewie's there. It's great that Admiral Akbar is still, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. on the working on the bridge. But actually, I care about these new characters mm-hmm. in a way that I didn't think. As someone who watched the prequels as a kid and just, like, could not give a shit, like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't care about them in the same way that i had the original trilogy so Mm. it was really interesting to be walking down this road again and be like actually hang on these are people that i care about these Mm. are characters that i'm so hooked on in the same way that i imagine that people were when Mm. luke han and leia first turned Mm. up in the original trilogy and that's like that's really something Mm. because i think when you are tackling something like star wars that has this weight behind Mm. it it's a tough order Mm. and to be able to to have done that is like i think it's just testament to the way that you you can reinvent the wheel yeah. a little bit and actually inject something into, into yeah kind of like new life really yeah, yeah completely um, and I mean one of the most significant new characters in this film is Rose played by Kelly Marie Tran and I just loved her I, was I so... loved her and I'm with her like I'm on board now she can be in the next like you know carry on put her in the next film she's part of it now she's there, like, at no point was I like oh this feels a bit weird that they've just thrown why did they shoehorn this other new character in you like, got backstory for yeah. her you understood why she was kind of how she was you know mm-hmm. like you get context for her and then you immediately buy the fact mm-hmm. that like yeah this is how that character would behave this is how she's helping Finn this is you know she mm-hmm. when they're um towards the end of the film in almost the third act when she's kind of like helping um them escape from the the base on the salt mine like you know you understand that like yeah mm. she's so in for the for the resistance mm. you know you just kind of like oh cool well she's in the gang now yeah, great she's part of the family. you know yeah. she's here let's move i'm intrigued to see how she prop, um crops up in episode nine now you know yeah. like well what it, what yeah and what you were just saying just then about backstory was one of the things that I could hear people making comments about when we were leaving the cinema and I actually just didn't get I mean there are a couple of things that I don't think worked as well that we can cover but 
the kind of the backstory element people was i could hear people saying like oh we don't you know they haven't even there are so many unanswered questions like we don't even know these people's like backstories okay and with the i mean with the except well not even the exception because i was going to say with the exception of snoke but again i it doesn't really matter like his backstory doesn't matter really Uh, i thought we know people's backstories we know we know ray's backstory we know finn's we know as much as we need to know okay so one of the things that i when we've talked about the prequels in our personal lives one of the things i fucking hated about the prequels is the backstory yeah those three films are about trade deals they're about midichlorians they're about the origins like all this stuff that really weighed it down that it's like basil exposition it's like Mm. people talking about why this person in the galaxy doesn't get on with this person in the galaxy and like spending two hours doing that is really boring Mm. Mm. I don't need it. I need a quick establishment. It's not as necessary as I think people no, think it is. I, I've seen that. I've got unanswered questions. Dude, mm. there's going to be another film. Like, can we calm down? And I don't down? think we need to answer everything. No. Um, there was a really... The, one of those Ringer articles that you, mm. you linked us to by Sean Finessi. Yeah. Um, I took a quote from that, which kind of links into this, which is... Um, he says one of the brilliant aspects of the last jedi is writer director ryan johnson's willingness to dispel and detonate all of the red herrings that emerged from the film that preceded his ray's parents who cares will luke return to fight whatever who is snoke why bother instead jedi zeroes in on the most crucial relationship in this series between ray and kylo their bond captured in a series of psychic conversations throughout is the centerpiece and that's that's it right yeah that's the important thing like Ray's parents it doesn't matter they're nothing and what she's been doing in previous it doesn't I don't care and Snoke like Snoke doesn't matter it doesn't matter he's the setup so that Kylo Ren can kill him and become it's not there are there are seven films before this if you're that bothered about like backstory go back and watch those and then you can read into it's, it like i just don't it's just not i think that the thing I don't know is why people so i think in order for the franchise to move forward there just needs to be like significantly less scene setting yeah. like it, there's only so much scene setting you can do if you're right. that bothered about it go and read the like the comics go i'm sure and there's read, like a million fanfic spin-offs that you can just go, write and, your own. go and read all of like the novellas all yeah. of the books that have been written to kind of like pad out fill the, in the gaps the general right? universe like that stuff exists um, I just I don't think it's needed. I think the no, more you do, not. otherwise, there needs to be a fracturing of this kind of setting and build up in order for the story to move forward. And I think if we continually become preoccupied with scene setting, scene setting, scene setting, there's going to be no progression. And I think yeah. that's part of why I felt so pissed off this week about people's like weirdly hostile reactions mm. to it. It's that like, as a fan, do you not want to see like an interesting like i don't development for this my biggest takeaway from the last jedi was that i'm so intrigued to see in episode nine where they go with regards to the 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 kylo ren and the ray stuff yeah well that's that's the center of the entire story because they're almost like posited at the end of this film as being like the new kind of like well that's where the focus is now Mm. is actually like there you know you've got ren in the first order mm-hmm. you've got ray working as part of the resistance mm-hmm. that's the focus mm-hmm. and that's why I, you know i really liked all of the 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 ren and um ray stuff it was great i really enjoyed that was um really what, interesting i just thought it was really really clever and that's doing something more than uh what 
the films prior to this yeah. film have done with kind of the force right and kind yeah. of psychic interactions and that hasn't been to this extent this is like a brand new thing yeah but it fits it, it fits. fits really well i really like the way there was that kind of that three arc narrative mm. there was the kind of the the ray and luke stuff with kind of kylo thrown in there was the finn and rose side of things there was poe and the resistance i liked the way that those three things were going on at the same time mm. but at the end that everything came together and you understood mm. that like mm. they were all playing their part and then you get to the end and then episode mm. nine is going to come and that's you know that's mm. the next step i mean on that like um there was an interview with ryan johnson i read in deadline this week um where it talks about how there's like a little trifecta in between each of the characters so you've got ray has got luke and kylo so there's those mm-hmm. three you know she's got those on each side of her mm-hmm. almost you know as good as evil yeah um finn has got um dj who's benicio mm-hmm. tortoro's character and rose kind of mm-hmm. the you know those people and then poe's got leia and holdo so laura dern mm. um and i like yes. that i just like that kind of how there was that three three part structure yeah. i just felt it really worked really well mm. you know that mm. that helps you kind of see the way that the themes kind of form and attach themselves and you kind of i think there are ways that e- everything is mm. echoed throughout mm. i don't know i just yeah. think i just thought that it worked really really well i mean things that you didn't like about it i mean i'm i i'm not being i mean i really enjoyed it i will hold my my hands up and say that i really really enjoyed it but Mm. i do understand there are elements of it that people perhaps didn't like there are things in it that i thought worked less well Mm. i don't know how you feel yeah i mean there were a couple of things it definitely struck me that it was very long um it is a long film two hours 41 yeah I i can um it didn't it didn't affect my viewing too much but i do i completely get it there's been a few people who said like it did slump mm-hmm. in the middle and then pick up again like and it was slightly too long i got that i thought when luke came out to kind of meet kylo ren um in the salt mines i thought that might be where it cliffhangs well um, it did feel a bit like return of the king yeah. in the sense that there are like multiple endings yeah so it it i think it did go on maybe a bit too long um just a little bit um i think the quite a few people have said that the 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 casino uh planet um didn't work as well i'm kind of split on that because i think what didn't work was that the fact that the the mission that finn and rose went on Mm -hmm. failed Mm -hmm. and like nothing came out of it Mm -hmm. i think that maybe didn't work as well um because i could see why they went there and i thought it was an important of the story part of the story and then nothing came out of it so it did feel like a bit of a waste but i think some of the themes that came up in those scenes in particular the kind of the politics the sort of working class politics Mm -hmm. things like that were really interesting and like really padded out sort of yeah i mean some of the messages of the film i just yeah it was i thought maybe it was a bit of a waste the fact that nothing really came from um, i the casino part was the 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 section at which i didn't enjoy as much and i understand that it's kind of it's it felt on the nose in the these are really rich people who are kind of essentially gambling with people's lives because Mm. they've made their money out of being warmongers and funding you know essentially Mm. giving weapons to Mm. both sides i felt that it was useful in terms of establishing kind of rose's backstory in the sense that she talks a lot about how her sister Sister, and her from like a poor mining Mm. um planet mm. um i guess it has set up in the sense that you see the children that are kind of yes um, yes essentially kind of like caring for the animals which are yes. being raised and i i assume that will come back up in future yeah. films because you've got the the, the boy mm. at the end that is like force sensitive that has mm. the 
the ring. I mean, that was a section for me that felt like it went on a bit mm. too long. And I think it was a bit too long. Um, but I did like how you said how it raised kind of the kind of working class kind of like the, yeah, the I mean, politics here's a, side here's of it. a planet of people who couldn't give a shit if the world is going to pot around them. Yeah. It doesn't affect them. Yeah. They're fine, and that, and again, I guess that has kind of real world correspondence. With yeah, for of, me, I mean, <laughs> like, impl- yeah, it makes for you me, kind of reflect. On yeah, it of, shows the disparity. Yeah, between and the, it had a kind of politics that yeah was it was a bit on the nose yeah but um I thought it was good I thought there was quite a like do you think there was almost like an animal cruelty message as well throughout you kind of had the you had the porgs and the the weird things on the island that luke was getting milk from and you had the the, almost like the horse racing and the animals on the planet and there was something else i was thinking of oh no when chewbacca's eating those porgs oh my god um and then he's almost like he can't eat them because he's looking at the faces of them she goes vegan yeah i did there was like an there was definitely an animal cruelty message hey i thought was interesting as a card carrying vegan that for me was like yeah treating animals like trash is horrible and eating there were like it was funny wasn't it this just one little but actually there were a few moments throughout the whole thing with different types of animal that i thought there is a bit of a message here about that that I was kind of interested in. It's like an well. environmentalist yeah. theme. Yeah, I mean, you, it could, was. you could well, you could say that stuff about the end as well. When they're on the salt mines, it's been abandoned. Yes, for, right. For it's yeah. With the dogs, with the the, the, the ice oh, fo- the, weird the thing ice that interested me actually. This is just a sidebar of that interview with Ryan Johnson uh-huh. and the Wittertainment episode. Yeah, they were talking about the fact that he's a big Pokemon fan. <laughs> And I, I was like, I had literally thought when in the when I'd first seen the trailer and I saw those kind of ice crystal fox things, yeah. I was like, that's like Pokemon. Yeah, it does look Pokemon. So, and I loved that he was like, no, it's got nothing to do with it. I was like, it definitely has. Secretly they were all like Star Wars Pokemon that you want to collect. They mate. were Star Warsy Pokemon. Tom says that the Porgs he felt were just like a marketing ploy. Yeah. Which and I considering oh I'd, yeah definitely considering I'd gone home yesterday and said they're like the minions of Star Wars. Hey, that's harsh because minions it are is trash. Minions are disgusting. They're the Ewoks of this year of this millennia. Um, I like that I went into the Disney store and there was that you you can buy like a pork. five thousand porgs. You can buy a porg that's like a Furby. Per- porgs are basically guinea pigs, guys. Porgs Just get are a so pig. cute. They're very that cute. porg reaction gift that I keep I'm really using good for at everything. doing that as well. If if only you could see. So we had to queue for like. Uh, Half yeah, that was hour. the downside to the film. Queuing for like a fucking hour to get out of the car. But like you did a great Porg impression. Did a great Porg so. impression. It was great. Um, Can we talk about some specifics? Yes. Um, specific standout performances? Yes. Um, Can I take the floor? Go on. I just need to talk about Adam Driver. This was going to be my thing, actually. I was going to say we should probably talk about Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver. Okay. Um, but shoot, Adam Driver first. So... Um, April, do you like Adam Driver very much? Here's the thing. Um, I've watched, apart from maybe one or two exceptions, I've watched everything that Adam Driver's ever been in. So okay. you're like probably a really casual fan. I'm just like cash Adam Driver fan. Not really interested. The thing is, it's been really difficult for me to not get on my soapbox this week about the fact that, like everyone coming for Jim Hopper for season two of Stranger Things, everyone's suddenly realising that Adam Driver... It's the shit. He's awesome. Yeah. And then I'm sitting over here being like, guys, I endured five seasons of Girls. Yeah. And it's ups and downs. Mostly for Adam Driver. 
and you're all coming like, who's this dude with nice hair and a ripped chest who's actually really... He's huge. He's eight pounds. <sighs> yeah. Um, that was a lot. Um, I really enjoy... I, I don't, can't remember what it was from, but there was a review somewhere that I was reading. Uh, they called Kylo Ren's character a tragic, moody, wily coyote. He really And I is. kind of like that. That's kind of... That's true. Oh, God. His character... It was the standout performance, <laughs> obviously, so of the film. I'm having to take my glasses He's... Up. I mean, it was a killer performance. It was. He's so good. He yeah. plays conflicted, like he's not the clear-cut evil cardboard no, villain, is he? He's not. There was from the Sean Fantasy article on the mm. Ringer. Um, the the this particular article talks about the power of 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 Kylo Ren and this kind of the complexity of him mm-hmm. as a villain. Um, one of there's a whole big chunk I've copied out, but I'm just going to read this bit because um, it will then give me the opportunity to talk about one of my new favorite, or one of my favorite Twitter accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, so it talks about um, Kylo Ren was a real boyfriend, a lousy one, always grousing about work. Ugh, General Hux and his parents, falsely idolizing his angry dead grandfather, and never getting around to asking you about your day. We are drawn to him, and yet he is pitiful, a perfect millennial man, a rebel killer without a cause. Yeah. Um, that's why Kylo Ren is so good, is mm-hmm. because he's just like a weenie, bratty... He's your teenage emo boyfriend. He's just an absolute brat who's angry, but then also like can't bring himself to kill his mum. Yeah. That was one of the best yeah. things, is that like, you know, there's that whole bit in the first act where Kylo has the opportunity to essentially shoot down Leia and then doesn't, then someone else does it for him. Literally like, while, watching, while he's watching. He's just angry at his parents. He's got the weight of this like family he's got some heritage really good hair. he's just adam driver is great he he really does i mean in in all of his work i think he really does play this kind of brooding conflicted he plays weirdos very he plays well. weirdos really really well he's not your atypical hollywood handsome he's not like poe dameron no oscar isaac level who for disclosure definitely got more handsome in the time between Force yes, awakens he did. He did. and more handsome and charming and he's not john Boyega, who's like just dreamboat i just, i love john i mean for me john Mayer is like the ultimate of this, he's just i just he's a dream but i just for. it's difficult to explain why i love adam driver so much but um this definitely helped <laughs> von, von, von did ask actually like why do people like him so much i'm not trolling i just am really intri- intrigued and i was like i can't really it's got that aura it. i can't explain it's got that it. aura dude you know that he would probably be... I mean, the thing is, there's the Adam Driver in real life and he's just really awkward and withdrawn and mm. doesn't really like talking. He doesn't, like, there's... Um, in several articles, he said that, like, he never watches anything he's in. Yes, When right. he was at yeah, the premiere... Of, he was at, he The first time he watched any of his work was at the premiere for The Force Awakens because he couldn't leave, so he had to sit through it. He never watches anything he does. Like, he's just really... I don't know. You can just tell he likes acting, but doesn't really want yeah. to be part of like the Hollywood yeah. machine, which I think is why I like him so much because yes. he's probably super normal. Mm. Um, one of my friends who lives in Brooklyn said um, a couple of years ago they were filming um, girls on her street, mm. um, and Adam Driver was around and was just like nice as pie, like just oh. was really apologetic oh, for I the don't. fact that like no one could what pass. Disruption. Yeah, he was honestly <laughs> sorry. Of course, yeah, disruption. Jasmine was like he was just really apologetic for all of the chaos on the street, which That's is really crazy. really really nice. Um, I don't know. I just can't describe why he's so good, but there are definite standout performances in. Well, his, his performance, I think, stands alone. On but this it's been, it's just like, been for me very interested that everyone suddenly saw him with his yeah. shirt off and was like, "Hey, what's Dan- up, Adam? What's up, Adam? Danzig dad bod? Oh my god, Danzig! Yeah, it really is. I just audibly Danzig gasped, and you the fact the thing is that's just you see him shirtless, and then you hear the awkwardness of Ray being like, "Can you please put on a towel?" 
That made me die. I was absolutely... The like, moment to spawn like a thousand fanfic. Ray, yeah. um, Daisy Ridley's character, um, it, it was almost verging a couple of times, and I almost hate myself for saying this, she was verging on the Kira Knightley <gasps> in Pirates oh of the Caribbean. God. Tom told me off for saying for comparing them. No, she's she's got that vibe. We had a conversation where I was like, he he said to me very tactfully, "What did you think of Daisy Ridley?" Knowing full well that I probably was liable to go off on one, mm. and I was like, "Oh, she's fine. I don't really understand. Mm. I don't, I think I her... preferred her in the previous film. Yeah, I was betting for her more. Um, I think. Yeah, I feel really bad saying she was verging on the Kira Knightley because that's a horrible thing to say. Um, but but at the same time, I'm just still so stoked that the lead protagonist of this film is female. Yeah, 100%. That we have so many female characters in Well, this. I've written a list. So I really, I just, in contrast to the fact, I mean, you know, I know you've got like Phasma within the First Order, but the First Order is just men. Yes. It's like largely men. I mean, some of the yes. Stormtroopers, and I mean, there are um, female officers um, on the bridge in you know the mm-hmm. first order ships and stuff there are there are women there you, they, you they can exist see them. They, they must exist. use them they need to they are there but I just like that the resistance is so female led so obviously in this film we had um, we had Rose yeah we had amazing. Laura Dern as Edmar amazing Vice Admiral amazing Holdo. Um, I really liked how Billy Lord was really prominent wonderful as um, Lieutenant really Connix nice um, you had Amanda well. Lawrence as uh, Commander Darcy as yeah. well um of course, you've got Carrie Fisher as Leia. Mm-hmm. You've got Ray. I just like how like, and also one of my favorite parts is like how the resistance is so female led, and the dudes are like letting you do stuff. Yeah, Poe Dameron. Apart from Oscar Isaac, who's like, cool. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna interject here and uh, say my piece, and they're like, yo, sit down. Yeah, but did you not? I, I mean, that's down. part. He's just hand though. That's just like such hand like ballsiness. But I just like that. Like Poe's loyalty to Leia make me absolutely weak. Yeah. Ugh, he just loves her he yeah. just wants like she is his boss and he yeah. is just like tell me what to do he's he's into that isn't he he's so into he's that he's so whipped like he's so like you know when she's after the when she comes out back from space and she's kind of on in the medical mm-hmm. you know pod and he's just ugh. I just love just that holding the, her hand I and... just love that the resistance is so female yeah lad. I and like, it's yeah I like that when you know basically Poe tries to take charge after Leia mm. goes down and and Laura Dern's character actually turns up. Yeah. There's obviously resistance there between those two characters, but I like the fact that like Leia was replaced by another woman. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, bring in, you know, And so she's and like, so. thanks for mansplaining, I'm still going to do my own thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. whether it's right or wrong, I'm literally not And as someone who like absolutely adores Poe Dameron, like Poe Dameron yeah. is like probably my favourite of mm. the new characters. Um, I just love the I like fact. seeing him being told yeah I like being face. like no shut up like no listen to me I know what I'm doing and yeah. that was that was the ultimate twist for me I think actually is that part of me had thought that maybe Laura Dern's character was actually going to end up being like evil, evil. I had this really I was yeah. really when we were watching I just remember being like oh fuck I could really if they really make hope. her like the, yeah that I, I was really worried that she was going to be a mole or yeah. she was going to turn them over and it was actually really refreshing mm-hmm. to just be like no actually no she's just she's a very strong female character she's mm-hmm. not Leia mm-hmm. She's not as kind of open and wants to talk about yeah, her plans she's, and everything. You know, is, she, her, is her approach the right one? I don't know. But it, I don't know if either of their approaches She knows what really she wants work. to do. And I just, I really liked that. I just... She stood by her convictions, didn't she? She stood um, her guns. And, and I, yeah, I mean, notably, most of the reviews I've read have been from men. And there haven't been... I'm not saying they did it deliberately, but there hasn't been much of an acknowledgement of 
the number of women in this film and maybe that's just because you know we right we should be at a point where we don't need to point it out but i maybe it, part of why i enjoyed this film so much again is because i feel so invigorated by seeing so many it female was, characters it was really nice that in in each of those three narratives that were going on that there was a woman present mm. so you, you know you've got ray and luke mm. you've got finn and rose and then mm. you've got poe and Leia mm. and, and and haldo like mm. it was nice that there was like a, a strong female mm. presence in each of those mm. and i just think that's that's mm. great because there's no there's no reason why there shouldn't be mm. And you know, like the, the like you say, it's just the thing I took away from the Force Awakens was if I was a parent and I was able to take my daughter to see a film where actually like one of the people that essentially was like kicking the universe's ass was a mm. woman, you know, like that's that's mm. huge. Yes, yeah. you know, and that's not to sort of downplay the legacy of of Leia in the previous trilogy, no. but the fact that there are so many more women yeah she's not the only strong woman no 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 and I think that's that's great that 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 should be celebrated and Mm. I think that's that has been the thing that I've wished has been I I have wished sorry would have been more prominent in all of the reviews and everything about The Last Jedi is that like have you you noticed that that hasn't been yeah I have noticed it and I think and I hate pointing that out sometimes because it's not like I'm trying to make a thing out of nothing but it does I, I did notice and speaking to people as well I've just noticed that it's not acknowledged in the same way no and I think that a lot I mean and I get that you wouldn't feel as excited about that because it's not like I go ooh lots of men and if I don't know I don't yeah know. I mean I think I've read um, I think that a majority of the criticism that I've read about as in criticism as in like mm. reviews and stuff that I read about the film have been um, have been written by men yeah. I'm sure that female authored pieces out there exist I just mm-hmm. have yet to encounter as many of them as I had mm. as I have sorry we're still I mean Star Wars is you know it's fairly I think that anything that makes fanboys super angry makes me love it more and I think yeah. that's been my big takeaway I like I've, when I do like when fanboys when I, I I've just seen so many when men. it rocks the boat I, do I don't like that. I don't like to generalize but I majority of what I've majority of the criticism i've seen on social media and in my own social media outlets on my own facebook on my own twitter has been from boys being really pissed off about Mm -hmm. it and that's fine i get it like you know that's how it doesn't meet their expectations yeah everyone's entitled to their own opinions but i have i just i found it particularly interesting that all of the women i've spoken to about it have really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. that's that for me has been intriguing Mm -hmm. you know they've had we've all had our own criticisms Mm -hmm. of it as we've just been discussing, mm. there are parts about parts of it that I think were weaker than mm-hmm. than other things. Mm-hmm. But it has been particularly interesting to me specifically yeah. that those I've encountered yeah. who've really enjoyed it have been women, and mm. I think that says something. And I mean the level of diversity as well in terms of you know sort of uh, ethnic diversity is they. I mean they, it was there for Force Awakens as well, and it's very much there for this there's a huge mixture it's not just like oh it's diverse because there are aliens and white people like there's actual diversity throughout and it feels very natural which is great so maybe they just need to hit number three and get some disabled people in there and we'll all be uh... yeah i I just i I just i I really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. i just i'm really excited to go and see it again i'm really excited to see what i take from it a second time Mm. um i yeah, I just that was going to be one of my final questions. Actually, is there's so much. Um, obviously, everyone has an opinion about their viewing of Star Wars, um, but 
can you judge a film like this with just one viewing? Like, people coming out going, I, I hated it, it was rubbish, blah, blah, blah. I, can you judge something this big when you've, what you know, I've seen the first film 500 times, like, I know every little detail, this doesn't stand up to it. And it's like, well, you've seen that 500 times, you've seen this once, do... I think the complexity of the narrative, I think the fact that there is a lot going on, I know that has been, but one of the big criticisms of mm. the film has been that there is a lot going but, on. I mean, I found, But I didn't find it hard no, to find. and I feel like that's fairly typical of pretty much all it blockbusters is. now. You think about Thor Ragnarok, there was like, they visited like, there, there was, was 15, so many different stories going on. And also there was, in that in particular... They did this, then went there, and then they had to get this, and then they had to go there, and in, it just... In Ragnarok, especially, there was stuff that from I'm assuming alluding to stuff from mm-hmm. wider Marvel universe that I had no I had no context no. for. You know, it's very much a, it, I didn't, still... it didn't film jar feel jarring to me because most given I think the length of kind of blockbuster films now like there's kind of these sweeping massive two plus hour things and the budget and the size of these universes, um, it didn't feel. Like it was too complicated. It isn't to me, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I saw the Force Awakens three times at the mm. cinema. I saw Rogue One twice, I yes. think, um, and I definitely intend to go and see the Last Jedi again, yeah, soon, and then probably go and see it a third time as well. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I enjoyed it so much. It was such an enjoyable viewing experience, but also because I did watch it at like half twelve, and I was kind of not necessarily yeah. alert and actually that was one of the best things I took from when we saw The Force Awakens mm-hmm. for a second time was actually I was able to pick up on things that I perhaps hadn't been able to fully mm. get my head around because I was so mm. overwhelmed. I mean mm. there were parts of The Last Jedi that I just from a from a visual point of view mm. it like the scene where um Holdo crashes the ship into yes. the first order ship and Amazing. the sound the sound cuts cuts out and you're just met with the visuals of it. There was gasps. Isn't it? There were yeah. gasps yeah. in our, the the scenes when the um resistance are flying across the, the, yeah, salt, the mines salt mines with and the you, red and white. With the red and white Crazy. like it's just crazy there's so much of it it just was visually overwhelming so i think that what i hope to take from a second viewing is picking up on the finer details the stuff i missed but i don't think i'm going to enjoy it any less because for me it just i was really blown away i you know i i like i said i've tried to manage my expectations but i just think there were so many things about it that i just absolutely adored and made me just excited to see where the franchise is going to go like isn't that what it's about of course it is yeah isn't it I think I, yeah, I think I, I actually preferred this to The Force Awakens. And I loved The Force Awakens, but I felt like this was really, yeah, like we've said, like doing its own thing, established its own, going off in a direction that's very independent and isn't off course, isn't like, you know, works in the context of Star Wars, but is a bit different. Um, Ryan Johnson to me seemed so like committed to focusing the film around the characters trajectories and progression and And that's they're amazing the characters have always been at the heart of star wars Mm -hmm. and i think that that's going forward i think that's what where the focus is the Mm -hmm. focus is on on carlo ren and where Mm -hmm. he goes from this after having killed snoke and essentially Mm -hmm. being now the head of the first Mm -hmm. order where ray's going to go now Mm -hmm. she's kind of established the fact that yes she's got jedi powers and she's quite powerful and actually luke was really no help like yeah he wasn't going to come in and save the day and that was great again he didn't meet that expectation because as he said he's like some sort of legend that yeah. just doesn't meet he's not going to meet the hype no and like where does Finn go from here now he's like fully embraced the resistance mm. and he's like so on board and you know mm. is 
has mm. has essentially defected. Mm. Like I just the, those characters are where, what I care about, mm-hmm. and I think that that's that's interesting to me. Yeah. Is that there is this new, you know, this new gang essentially, mm-hmm. and I'm, new I new Scooby gang. I, and... well, it, it, there's a new gang, and I care about them. And as someone who like adores Star Wars and its long mm. history. I think that's that's with characters that are strong enough to carry it through. That's yes. a, the biggest takeaway for me is that they've managed to establish these new characters with this franchise that, yeah, standalone are really interesting, stand apart from the old favourites, and, and they're going to carry it through. And and you don't need the old favourites exactly. And I think that's the whole. There's a thread in the Last Jedi that is essentially like the past is meaningless. Yeah, we need to let go of the past. The whole, you know, all of the stuff with Luke and everything like mm. that. It's like. The past is great. The past has, you know, been part of how we've gotten to we here. Love, yeah. But we need to reject mm. that and we need to let go of it. And I think that I think that perhaps is why people have been quite upset because Ryan Johnson has essentially just been like, that's great, cool, but this is I'm what doing we're doing now. Thing. Yeah. So, um, last segment is Obsession of the Week. Um, do you have an Obsession of the Week? It's well, okay. Well, I mean, apart from Star Wars, what is my Obsession of the Week going to be? Just Star Wars, really. That's fine. Mine's Adam Driver. Yeah, well, there you go. So topical. Um, I made Tom watch a lot of Adam Driver on SNL. Excellent. Last night. Um, because the only SNL clip of Adam Driver presenting Tom had seen was the star, um, star killer base, yeah. Matt, yeah. undercover boss, which I made, I've made him watch so many times in brilliant. the last few days, just because it's brilliant. Um, I heard Calorim has an eight pack. He's really shredded. He's, he's shredded so good that's so all good. I could think about in that scene in The Last Jedi was like holy shit it's come it was like a nod to it I hope it was I really hope it was also how high-waisted were Ren's trousers like huge and I love high-waisted trousers I don't know where he got them from but I'd quite like them just so dancing so mine's basically just Adam Driver because well that's totally fair I understand that not that it's been like a non-existent obsession but it's really just been like yeah it's Adam Driver's time. Yeah, I've watched also, a lot of uh, like press tour stuff this week from like all of those videos. Oscar Isaac and oh, John Boyega are doing the, the, thirsty, the, tweets. the thirsty tweets. Is very on brand for us and also hilarious. My favorite thing about that particular video is how like Oscar Isaac's so just like like shrug about it. Yeah, just like really straight face, and John Boyega is just like. Oh yeah! Oh my god! Yeah, I love John Boyega. He's wonderful, and also the. Uh, the what's in the box video with him and Gwendolyn Gwendolyn Christie yeah. with the talk we'll yeah. link to all of these things because it's, they're they're wonderful they're so uplifting they're so good so yeah. extra presence extra Star Wars presence Star Wars themed obsession of the week mm-hmm. Adam Driver John Boyega Oscar yes. Isaac we are here for you we are cool so that's um us done for episode 12 don't forget you can find us online twitter we're at the thirst soundcloud.com forward slash the thirst pod itunes you can search for us the thirst and please give us some reviews instagram we're at the thirst pod you can email us the thirst pod at gmail.com and of course you can find all of our links to everything we've discussed in this episode and ones in the past on the, our tumblr which is the thirst uh bye goodbye Bye, guineas. That's the guinea pigs in the background. Bye, guinea pigs. Bye.